Iced tea. Go a cappella. Now I'm on the West Coast, relaxing and chill, living on the mead streets of Beverly Hill. I have I love I, it. You way better than a lot of rappers that are making yes. records right now. She is Olivia Munn. Drop my name as much as you can. By the way, I am a first-class name dropper. The great, legendary John Madden. And then on the phone, Steve Marriott. She's- <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's the thing. You watch a guy. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who is that? Mooch, how did you sniff that out so quickly? I sniffed that out. I sniffed that out. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the Rich Eisen Podcast, brought to you by Chevy. I am coming to you from Lucas Oil Stadium, site of the 2013 NFL Scouting Combine. It is all in the books. Uh, also coming up tonight on NFL Network is the Combine Television Special with guests John Elway of the Denver Broncos, Chuck Pagano of the Indianapolis Colts, Jeff Fisher of the St. Louis Rams. I go back and forth with him a little bit on some competition committee issues. I'm going to try and get the tuck rule thrown out of the game if I could do my level best with Jeff Fisher. Ed Reed of the Baltimore Ravens was on the red carpet for this very podcast on Sunday at the Academy Awards, and the best of his work will be coming up on the Combine special on Wednesday night on NFL Network, and we'll have a Chris Brockman, our, our podcast producer, who is with Ed on the red carpet, join us later on on this uh, audio edition of the program to uh, talk about what happened with Ed. But right now I turn to my two guys who were with me all week long in Indianapolis. Charles Davis, good to speak with you, sir. How are you, Charles? Good, good to speak with you, Rich, as well. And Mike Mayock, we spent 28 live hours together this week. <laughs> I felt like every one of them. <laughs> you didn't, every single minute. <laughs> you look 28 hours older. Thank um, you. So here we are with the combine all finished. And the first question I have for you is the same question I have after every combine. What did we learn? What did we learn from here, mm-hmm. this year? I came into this expecting that the stars of the week were going to be the offensive line and the defensive tackles, and they were. And I think from my perspective, what we really learned is that in addition to the Jokel Fisher conversation at the top end of the tackle board, Mr. Lane Johnson introduced himself nationally. And if there's anybody in this draft with the most upside based on measurables, remember, this guy was a quarterback four years ago. Now he's a left tackle. It's a monstrous story. It's an amazing story. So if three offensive tackles go in the top ten, I wouldn't be surprised. If they went in the top six or seven, I wouldn't be surprised. And there are going to be some people that say, first of all, that Eric Fisher might be a better football player than Luke Jokel, which nobody thought a couple of weeks ago. And there are going to be some other executives around the NFL going, but the highest upside might be Lane Johnson. So if there's one thing I learned here, I think that Lane Johnson is ascending. I think that the corner Milner from Alabama kind of confirmed what he is from a speed perspective, and I think he'll clean up. I mean, he's got, he's got to get the shoulder surgery, and he's going to be fine. Um, but that's what this draft is. It's deep, but there's not a lot of stars up top, Charles. Yeah, what was interesting was the medical that came out of this also yeah, for yeah. a couple of guys that are that are big-time prospects. Star Lotulele did not get a chance to work out. Yeah, a, that was a highly, a highly evaluated defensive tackle. He doesn't get to work out because of a heart condition. 
that I'm hearing now they're thinking might be okay, but they just did not want him to work out here. They say he can exercise, but to get checked out again in Utah, he's going to go ahead and do that. So that was interesting. Matt Barkley, the quarterback for USC, medically did not throw, not ready to go yet. We'll see him on pro day, and I think he'll reinsert himself into the big conversation once we see him throw. So when we look at those two, those two for medical. How about I mean, Jarvis Jones? That was the biggest one I was about to get to. Is Jarvis Jones now? Some people are ticketing him for a top ten pick. Yep. All right. Some people. I mean, I hear Cleveland fans going crazy, saying yep. we haven't had a guy like that since Chip Banks. Can he fall to us at six? Well, we're not sure who is liking him medically and who is not. Some are clearing him, some are not. Is what I is my understanding. We'll have to find out how that whole how that all shakes out because of the neck. Is there a top five talent? And by that I ask legitimately somebody that say in normal draft years is definitely this guy is a star in the national football league jump on him when you can get him or these guys whoever is in the top five is just falling in the top five because somebody has got to be in a draft class the first five picks of a draft the issue are the skill positions okay because to me you've heard me talk all week that these tackles fall somewhere in between joe staley and joe thomas and joe thomas was what the second or third pick in the draft and those three offensive tackles compare favorably to a joe thomas as far as their upside is concerned so the three offensive tackles sharif floyd I'm on board with those guys. The problem is there's not a quarterback, there's not a running back, there's not a wide receiver. D. Milner may be at corner, but outside of that, there, there's not the star power, Rich, that we're so used to with the quarterbacks and the RG3s and the Lux and, and then Dominican Sue and, 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 and Cam Newton and the monster out in Denver. Yeah, um, Von Miller. Von Miller. That guy you're not seeing. Yeah, but yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Where's the pass rusher? To me, that's the Who biggest enigma guy? of this draft is that Bjorn Warner, to me, is not a top 5, 10, 15, or 20 pick. I like him, but I don't like him there. Mingo. Late first to mid second for me. Demontre Moore, late one to mid two for me. So all these Jarvis guys, Jones. people are trying to tell me your top ten picks. I'm not seeing it. Well, who did you, you, you told me walking in the building on our last day on Tuesday uh, when we're taping this? What did a scout say to you about Werner or a coach said to you about Werner? Well, one of the coaches said to me point blank, if I get him in the second round, I'm happy. That's his value. And, and that's what kind of I've, I've been saying in the booth for three days is that I love the kid on tape. Love him. I think he's a hardworking, smart, gets up the field, uses his hands. But as far as an elite edge rusher, I, I don't see it. And apparently a lot of the league doesn't either. And that seems to me that we've got a lot of teams now with some major decisions to make. Yes. Because the old need versus best player on the board argument comes into play. You might have to take a guy earlier than you want to because he's the best at that position and there's just not, you know, you're not finding it somewhere else. Right. Now you're talking about contracts. I'm going to pay this. <laughs> it's a whole different world. Normally this time. a team that's picking 8th, ninth, 10th, maybe 11th has the problem. It sounds like the Chiefs at number one have that issue. Right from the beginning. I've been saying since I, I started diving into this whole draft that if you're a playoff team, you're laughing because you're already good, and the 20th, 20th pick to the 32nd pick is about the same as the 5th or 6th pick. What about the, um, the group of running backs? Because normally you don't really see the first round. You, you, you gave out some interesting facts, Mike, at one point. We were listing the some of the top, the top running backs that were taken in the past few years, that there are more first-round injured banged up, disappointing running backs yep. than there are others in the first round. And second and third round have been more productive 
And, and, and what plays into that, Rich, is if you're going to take a back in the first round, by definition, you're saying he's a three-down back, which means he's going to get more wear and tear on his body. So the last five years, there have been 15 first-round backs. And of those 15, eight have had significant injuries where they've missed significant time. And what that tells me is that it's a risk to take a running back. You're no better than, even if you get the talent right, you're no better than a 50-50 because of the injuries. So from my perspective, I'd much rather, unless the guy's really special, I'd much rather dive into that second, third, or fourth round for a back and compliment him with another guy and let him split the load. And how about this, just as a thought process? Mark Ingram, Heisman Trophy winner, comes out of Alabama. Where did he go to New Orleans? 21? 28, I think. 28, first back pick that year, yeah. correct? Right. I don't know. We have, I don't think we have a Mark, Mark Ingram. You know, when you look at this year's crop, do we even have a Mark Ingram? Well, it would be an interesting deal. I know Eddie Lacy is being talked about from, from Alabama, didn't get a chance to work out. But overall, this whole crop of running backs, I'm not sure we have that measure. We certainly don't have Trent Richardson. So where is that first back taken, and where, where, where yeah. do we go from there? Well, the neat thing is one year ago at this day when we're walking out of the building, nobody's going to say it. No one was saying, look out for that Doug Martin kid right. in terms of being a, an every-down productive we back. Kinda... I know we were, we, were, we, were, we were sniffing around the edges there, but no one was basically saying that kid's going right. to be a star impactful day one at the next level and certainly no one was really saying that about Alfred Morris who turned out to be no the second there. No most productive there. running back now I, I will tell you that Charles and I were kind of all over uh, Doug Martin on path to the draft leading up to it because as, sure. more, as that process evolves right. and you get closer to the whole thing Charles and I were both huge advocates of Doug Martin as a first round running back and now neither <laughs> of us where were we on Alfred Morris <laughs> again? We, we, we were in the sixth <laughs> round seventh <laughs> round with everybody else I told you about my straw poll right yeah, I told yeah. About that, Rich. I mean, Alfred Morris, and I just went to kind of check because Mike was kind of beating himself up over it. Hey, we didn't see him Alfred Morris. I checked with, I'm going to tell you, between 10 and 15 GMs, player personnel people, top scouts. No one had him. And they're all like, look, I had him as a six. I had him as a seven. I had him as an undrafted free agent. The consensus that I got was no one had him higher than a six. Most people had him as a seven. So when you come down to it, Washington saw what they saw, saw the perfect fit and need. And the kid worked out. And Mike said a great statement, though, because it's not sour grapes either. Longevity of him doing that, because we've seen this before. And it's no shot at Mike Shanahan and his crew. But those backs in his system do pretty well. But we've seen a number of them come and go pretty quickly, too. Yeah. What about before the draft, uh, before the podcast, uh, before the combine on a podcast, Mike, I asked you, who is that Russell Wilson? You say, I don't see him. You've come now and you've seen everybody. Mm -hmm. Still don't see him? No. And, and. I'm underwhelmed by this quarterback class. I continue to be. Uh, I was happy Geno Smith threw here, and I thought he acquitted himself very well. I, the, the thing I have trouble getting over, and it's my own, my own problem, and it, is that I think there's so much bad tape on Geno Smith and Matt Barkley and all the top guys that it really colors my opinion. And, and, and the flip side of that, if, if you're an optimist and you need a quarterback and you're reaching, the flip side is, with Geno Smith, I've seen everything you'd like to see in a franchise quarterback at times on tape. I just don't see it consistently enough. So if, if you believe in the kid, work ethic, leadership, toughness, all those things, if you believe in the kid, you can believe with your coaching staff over time you can get him where you want him. You can talk yourself into that one. I don't, I, but I, there's just too much bad tape on all these kids for me to jump up and pound the table and say I love them. Yeah, and what everyone needs to understand about Russell Wilson is that it was tape measure. 
Russell Wilson checked out everywhere else. I will, I will guarantee yep. I'd pull out sheets. Yep. There wasn't a single person that evaluated him and didn't think this is a first-round talent in a five foot ten inch and three eighths body. I can't go there. And now what he's done though is he's opened up some eyes for some people down the road. You know, we got kids who will be coming out of college mm-hmm. that will be similarly statured. Drew Brees who helped pave the way. Now him, Doug Flutie came along too early. Because if Doug Flutie comes along now with the magic he made, I don't think they ever take him out of the starting quarterback job in that playoff game that became the Music City Miracle because he led them down, down the road. But that's part of what we've, part of what we've evolved to. You know what we got to get to, Charles, in, in, a little bit more, I think, is, is that the analogy we used a year ago with Russell Wilson right prior to the draft, and that is if you've ever played pickup basketball, and you want to stay on the floor and play all day. Winners stay. Winners keep guy. the court. When winner, and, and you always go on the court. Like, I always knew when I played a pickup game, there was somebody that I wanted to be on his team because I knew we were going to keep play. the court all day long. We're going to win every game because uh-huh. of that guy. Yep. And that's who Russell Wilson was. He was that freaking guy every year at NC State and then at Wisconsin. The only thing was the height. And Five, Charles ten, hit it right eights. on the top, but he's a winner. And at some point, and I hit myself on this too, when I we self-scout. When I self-scout, I go, why did I miss certain people? I knew what he was. I knew he was a winner. I should have banged the table harder for the kid. Do you have you, if you could take that, just that one intangible and look across the landscape of the 333 kids that we saw here, yeah. is anyone that have that intangible that you know of? That- well, I think at every position there's some of the, and I'll give you a, a comment. Like Charles said, the height thing. Oh, if he was 6'2", he would have been a first-round team, a first round quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I heard a couple of NFL guys who I really respect about Shamarco Thomas. Yep. I knew Shamarco Thomas was going to light this thing up. The okay? safety? Yeah, the safety from Syracuse. And I heard a couple guys go, if he was six foot, he'd be a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. And I'm like thinking to myself, didn't we just say that a year ago about Russell Wilson? Yeah. You know, do we care that he's a five foot nine and a half for safety, or, or do we care that he's a playmaker? And how does that all fit in? Have you heard about anybody who, that you could point out and say that guy may not have the the height, may not have the speed, may not have the weight, may not have this, may not have that, but he has that intangible like that guy in the pickup court. Is there one of those prospects out there, Charles Davis? That it's you a think little. It's been a little. Yeah, it's been a little there? bit different for me, Rich, because what I've heard is. The extenuating circumstances, guys, meaning what happened in their final year of college ball because the coaching staff went awry, i.e. Arkansas, because Auburn went down the tube so fast last year when the head coach decided he was going to have the kids check in every night at 11 o'clock and security's knocking on your door at 11. He kind of lost the team early. Kids, I can't play under this. So he didn't have the same. Lamont. Lemonier? Lemonier. Lemonier? Lemonier. 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 Right. Corey Lemonier falls under that category. Tyler Wilson, Nile Davis fall under that category for Arkansas. And we saw Nile Davis light it up out here and look like the back we saw two, three years ago. We've got to go back to that tape. Tyler Wilson, I think, is a terrific leader that tried to do so much last year to lead his team that it actually led him to the other side. Mechanics got all off, got right. hit a lot. Right. Wasn't the same. Remember the time he called him out and called his team out yep. after he got beat up by Alabama? Well, he didn't play that day. So that didn't go over particularly well because he didn't get a chance to play and be out there with him. But I think he's that type of a kid. I'll throw DeAndre Hopkins in there, too, yeah. the wide out from Clemson who didn't run as fast as a lot of them. Love him. Yeah, but he caught everything. That catch. <laughs> Punch on that bowl game on 4th yeah. and 16 and find out yeah. he's a winner. I don't want to punch on that bowl game. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. Give it a couple weeks. I know. Go watch Agua or whatever that leading. What was the? What? Argo. 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 I thought it was Agua. Argo. 
You're too much, man. Cargo. A couple more uh, questions for you. Uh, hitting on the silver linings, though. You get some football with I silver know. linings. I told my that was one of my favorite moments about mentioning silver linings playbook. Mike Slate says, "What's that about?" So of course, I go back and forth because you know there's a whole. Eagles aspect of it. I don't yeah. need to go into certainly listeners, regular listeners of this podcast know all about the old Bradley Cooper thing. Um, I, I tell Mike, it's like, it's a, a story about love in Philadelphia. What was your response? I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my favorite back and forth of the week. So, uh, a few more questions and then we'll, we'll, we'll start going down the list of the folks who are on the Combine special, starting with John Elway. Mike, uh, Manti Teo coming in. Lots of questions about how he'd handle things. I thought he, he knocked that sort of out of the park. How do you think he emerges from the combine? I think right much now? better off than, than where he was, and, and, and especially all the off-the-field stuff. And I thought he handled the mass media opportunity early in the week with a genuine attitude that really helped. Uh, all the coaches and people I've talked to that interviewed him really liked him, felt he was genuine. Uh, the 4840 bothered Manti, and it's going to bother some teams. I thought his field work was better. And I think when he goes to Notre Dame and runs 4-7 or 4-7-2, it'll be fine. I think he fits in towards the end of the first round, just like Kevin Minter from LSU. What about you, Charles? Yeah, you know, as, as, as we finish this thing off, there was so much attention on him. And I'm with Mike, how, he, how, how Mante Teo handled all of that. I didn't think he was going to run super fast. We asked, you know, the, the old runner was 4.75, and I hesitated. I took the under, but I remember saying, eh, it's going to be awfully close. I, I set a pretty good line yeah, there. I said, it's going to be I, awfully that, close. Exactly. You know, I, I was thinking 4.75 to 4.8 was going to be his number. And, and at the end, he did say that the process got to him. You know, for the first time I heard him, you know, some people are going to call it an excuse. He actually told the truth. The process did get to him. No one had to deal with the process more than him. So Mike's right. When he goes back for pro day, He's going to run better. He's going to test better. His on-field work is just fine. I think the kid is James Laurinaitis in a lot of ways, and James Laurinaitis is a highly productive linebacker yeah. in the NFL. Good time. And Tyron Matthew, when, we, when I had you on the yeah. pre-podcast, you're like, I don't know, sort of know. I haven't really looked at him much, maybe fourth round. Did he impress you? Did he catch your eye here the way he, he, yeah, he, he, he did? He ran, he ran sub 4-5, which I thought for him was great. I thought he looked really good in the drills. He's got great ball skills. We knew that. I mean, he's rich. He's a difference maker. You're talking about a guy that played two years, 11 forced fumbles, the interceptions. He was electric. Sacks. He was electric. He is. And, again, I keep saying he's a better football player than he is an athlete. And the two things that are going to hurt him are, number one, his height, his size, and number two, his off-the-field issues. And you've got to determine what you think he is. Like Dion said, he's a starting outside corner. If you think that, he's going to go in the second round. If you're in my camp, where I think he's a, a slot, a, a slot defender, a nickel. Yeah, I think he goes in the third round. But you got to make yourself comfortable with the kid. Who's the young man who came out of Wake Forest a few years ago? The corner who was oh. shorter, and we were debating whether he's a first rounder or not. Ended up with the, you know, you know what I'm talking. You I know, know exactly. what I'm talking about. I love the but, but anyway, to me, it's almost the same argument with right. a different background. Right. That kid was clean coming out. Right. You didn't have any worries. Tyran, Tyran has a little bit different background of that, and a lot of his plays are plays outside of the framework of what is called. See, there's an instinct to him. There's yeah. that. There's a gambling aspect that some teams might not like as much because you miss, you really break down your defense. And talking to scouts and evaluators, did you hear any chatter based on the whole Super Bowl discussion of pistol offense, drop back? Was there any discussion at all from what you heard that moving forward, it's now going to be one of those pistol offense read option type leagues and we need to draft for that have you heard anything I, I, about that i think that what i keep coming to and i and i think when i talk to reasonable people around the league they're kind of in the same camp it's that let's not get carried away with anything 
let's appreciate exceptional quarterbacking in any form. So if you get a pocket quarterback that, that can win from the pocket and has no feet outside the pocket, fine. Well, let's, go, let's surround him with the right people and let's go win football games. If you find a Ka- uh, Kaepernick or Russell Wilson who's got that special skill, but remember, he's still got to throw the ball at a high mm-hmm. level. And I think what coaches are saying, head coaches are going, hey, it's pretty cool either way. And if we can run a little option, that's great. But, yeah, we're going to look for that guy. He might not be in this draft Alfonso Smith. Alfonso uh, from Smith. From Wake Forest. Yeah. But, but let, me, let, me put a cap on, let me put a cap on what Mike's talking about. And this is something I've been saying, and, and I'm not, I don't think it's an original thought, but it depends on what camp you're in. The final four quarterbacks in the NFL this year, mm-hmm. a- NFC Championship game, was, was Matty Ice yeah. versus Colin Kaepernick. Right. AFC, Joe Flacco versus Tom Brady. Brady. Who's mobile in that? Right, three of the One. three of the four are the traditional pocket traditional passes. Traditional pocket passes. And passers. as you always, as we've talked about all the time, Kaepernick he throwing the ball from the pocket can beat you from the pocket. And that's I mean, a prerequisite. Whoever you thing. are, beat you from the pocket first. Yep. Your legs are going to go first. So, he, but you're not going to learn it in hey, reverse. I love Rich. the added value that his yes. legs bring. But, but, just, but, but you're you not going to got to win in the pocket first. What, what Jerry Glenville used to say? You know, you run you run the football to set a tone, but to ring that bell. You gotta be able to throw the football. Throw it. You the guys are the best. Thanks for doing this and thanks for hand timing me, Mike. Again, My I'm like 40. It was fun. It was Six point oh three. You're a six oh three forty guy. I am. Th- thanks I for letting me be a part of the, the recap. Well, I can't as, have as it. Always, you I are love always it. you are the voice of the forty. I love it. Mike's the timer of the forty and they're the voice of it. Mike, thank you so much My as pleasure, always. Pal. Great thank job for everything. That Good is job, Mike Mayock, that's Charles Davis. Uh, again, the Combine special is on tonight. Jeff Fisher of the Rams, Chuck Pagano of the Colts, one of his old charges from the Baltimore Ravens Super Bowl champion, future Hall of Famer. Ed Reed on the red carpet of the Oscars. We will review his work with uh, Chris Brockman, our producer. But right now, here is my conversation with the executive vice president of the Denver Broncos, John Elway. Here we are at the Combine at the home of the Indianapolis Colts with the final first draft choice in the first round in the history of the Baltimore Colts. The executive vice president of football operations of the Denver Broncos, John Elway. How are you? I'm doing great. So uh, do you recall those days? When you're here at a combine, when you go through that as a player back a in the day? A long time ago. You know, the thing is, though, it wasn't in Indianapolis when I came out. Back when I came out in 83, there was probably three or four different ones around the country. So it's changed a little bit. Which, one, which ones did you go to? Florida? I actually didn't go to any of them. You blew, did you blow uh, off the combine? I just, yeah, I, didn't, I, didn't, I did. Believe it or not, I didn't go to any of them. So uh, probably... What changed these days, if yes. I was coming out, it would change. But back in those days, it wasn't that. Was that a... Was that a and your agent told you not to throw or do anything like that? Yeah, the agent. Was it the Yankees thing? What was yeah, going on? I, I guess, yeah. 30 <laughs> years ago, I'm having a tough time remembering why I didn't do it. But, right. Uh, uh, I didn't. But, right. Um, <laughs> for for Because <laughs> it was obviously interesting times back then. But it's amazing how the combine has changed over all those years and what it is now. What What is the combine to you for a man in your position? You know, it, it's, a, uh, it's a chance for us to get out and see them on the hoof. I think it's, you know, and see how they react in a tough situation because the combine, as you said, has grown so much that it's really kind of the next step for those college kids to come from, you know, to the NFL. And so it's really kind of the step in between before we go to training camp and to see how they react and get a chance to spend time around them. You know, again, we go back and once we start our, you know, our draft meetings, you know, everything that they do here will be on tape and, and we'll see it all again. But, uh, you know, I think it's good to get everybody together, see how they react in situations that, uh, uh, you know, they're going to be in, in in their NFL career. And that's, you know, the pressure of 
performing well here at the Combine. How much did you draw on what you went through to put these guys through a particular pace to try and pinpoint what you're looking for? You know, I think that it's, it's, it's part of it. I don't, I don't know that it's something that I can really define uh, and talk about, but I think there's a gut to everything that you do, and especially in this business, and guys that are good, uh, you know, that's how they separate themselves is what their gut tells them. And I think that, uh, you know, having played, I think that's a benefit that I have. Having played and been in those locker rooms for as long as in those locker rooms and what guys being around them for a short period of time that we get to be around them, how would they fit in that locker room? And, and uh, you know, what are their goals? You know, is it, you know, is it to, to win Super Bowls or is it to make money? And, and uh, you know, we want those guys that uh, want to win Super Bowls. What is it like, though, being a Hall of Fame athlete doing this job? And by that I mean this. So many Hall of Fame athletes don't translate to what you're doing because your level of expectation is here. And so many other people who have done the game will be maybe down here because not everybody is a Hall of Fame athlete. How, how much does that play into what you, you do? Know, I, but to me, I look at that as a benefit because the fact is I got in this because I want to win, win a world championship and compete for a world championship. And I think that's what our owner wants. Pat Bowen wants that. He expects that. And so I think that, that having that expectation that I've had throughout my life translates into the position I'm in. And, and hopefully that translates to everybody that, uh, whether it be coaches or players, of the bottom line is what the Denver Broncos are about, that we want to compete and, and try to win world championships. Yeah. And so, you know, you can have both. We want everybody to be successful and secure on the money side. But uh, also the bottom line is when you come to Denver, uh, you know, we want the attitude as you're coming there because you want to win a world championship. How much have you thought about the way the season ended? How often do you think about it? I think about it a lot, um, you know. But the funny thing is, Rich, I'd been through that before. '96 had happened to us. We were, the, you know, we had the home field advantage wrapped up and and uh, lost it the first round with to Jacksonville. And then, uh, um, and so I think the key thing is, I don't want to forget that. And I and I tell people, say, I know you don't want to talk about it, but I, I'm like, no, I'll talk about it because I want us as a football team, as an organization, to learn from the difference between being 13 and three in the regular season, having everything lined up the way you want it lined up. Uh, in the playoffs, but the bottom line is you get in those playoffs, and everybody in that in the playoffs are good football teams. And for us to be world championships, we have to go play well. And uh, we didn't play well in that playoff game. And so uh, hopefully we can learn from that and get ourselves back in that situation next year, and hopefully do better than we did this year. Why didn't you play well you know, in that it, game? It, do you it, think you never know? You know, you never know. But I think that uh, you know whether it be you know to be able to put your thumb on it, it's always tough. But uh, you know, the expectations of, okay, there's a lot of talk about New England. Now, New England was the second game. we got to make sure we take care of the first one to get to the second one. And so, uh, you know, it's hard to put your finger on why we didn't play well, but I think the importance of when you get in the playoffs, your mindset cannot go any farther than where you are right now and take it one at a time. So is it easier to go through that as a player or as an executive you know, I think that as a player, you have more, you know, you got more skin in the game because you're playing. And so, uh, you know, I think the highs, if I said the highs as a player are higher and the lows as a player are, are lower uh, than they are as an executive. Now, you still have the ups and downs, but, uh, you know, to be in a guy, be in a position where you're touching the ball every down to where you're really going and, you know, game day, you're going there and hoping things work out and, uh, you know, is, is different. It's taken me a while to get used to that, but... Uh, uh, it still doesn't replace being a player, but at least being a part of it and being a part of the, you know, putting the puzzle together and the right pieces in that puzzle, you know, is, is the great challenge. Every Hall of Fame quarterback I've met, I would say, is a control freak. You know what I mean? I mean, 
it doesn't sound like it's got a good connotation. Right. You, you, and now here you are, sort of in a suite, looking nice in a suit, I must say. Oh, you know, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, and, and that's... You're, it's out of you. You can't control yeah, and that's anything the, that's after that. That is the hardest part. And I think that, uh, um, but I also, any Hall of Fame quarterback I've been around is also a great competitor. And so that, this is, you know, there's not many things that you can do other than play that kind of get you close to what you like to do, and that's compete. Even though uh, you don't have control of it when it comes to game day, at least you have a, a big piece of putting the big puzzle together, as I said. And you've got a, a future Hall of Fame quarterback uh at, uh, at your disposal under center. Uh, what do you think Peyton Manning needs to do next year? Is there anything different that he needs to do? I mean, he's on Mount Rushmore. What else can you expect from him than what he did regular season and then came the postseason? What, yeah. do, you, what do you think? You know, and, and, and I don't like to speak for Peyton, but I know Peyton wants world championships. I mean, that's to me, is why he's still playing, because he's done everything else. He's got the numbers, and, and uh, you know, those all take care of itself. And so I think that, you know, Peyton continue wants to win, continue that he wants to win a, a world championship. And I will tell you this, I think he's going to be better next year. Um, and because of, after looking about what he went through, talking to different people that have kind of gone through the next surgeries that he went through, and the, and the things that you have to overcome mentally, um, because of that injury that I think that, you know, where, where I didn't give him enough credit in my mind uh, just because it was, it's such a tough thing to come over, overcome. And, you know, he did that with flying colors. And that's why, you know, he's got this year behind him. And I think that, uh, you know, he can still make all the throws and, and uh, still has the drive. And so I look forward to, you know, him having another great year next year. Last couple of questions moving to next year. You're coming to this building in the regular season. What do you think that is going to be like, Peyton Manning coming into a place that he essentially built yeah, with his yeah. new team? You know, and I think that there's going to be a huge amount of respect in, in, for when Peyton comes back here. Now, the kid they got here is special, too, and Andrew Luck. And so it's going to be a heck of a football game. But I think that, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be good for Peyton, too. I'm glad it, the schedule worked out the way it worked out to where he'd be able to come back here and, and play here in front of the – the fans that supported him for so long, he did so many great things for. So uh, it, it'll be a, a special time. It'll be, I'm sure it'll be a special time for Peyton, too. And if you could uh, crystal ball it, I know you, everybody says they don't have a crystal ball. Uh, Clady, is he going to be franchise tagged or is he going to be long term contract when he's in this building protecting Peyton Manning in that game? Well, I want him to, I, I, hopefully, we can get him done on a long term deal. Uh, but we're not there yet, so we will tag him until we can figure out and get something done because we want Ryan back. He's been, you know, he's been a great Bronco, and, and we want him to stay there for the rest of his career. And so hopefully we can get something worked out. And what are you looking for in the draft? Can you at least give me a pull back the hood a little bit here as we're at the combine? You know, Rich, I think that uh, we're still going through that process trying to figure out exactly what it is. I think we're in a much better position now than we were two years ago. And I think that especially when you look at the draft, the way that I look at the draft is the bottom line is we've got to find football players that are going to have good careers and stay for a long time. We'd love to find Hall of Famers, um, but I think we're going to try to continue with the same philosophy. Is we're going to make we're going to find the best football players that we can. Hopefully, they fit where they at that point in time. But you know, when you go through the draft, you want guys that you know are going to have good careers, and that's what we're going to be looking for. And uh, I don't know if you're aware, I'm I'm getting faster every year, John. I can't wait again to watch you run. And so, what what day are you running? I'm running on Monday. On Monday? Uh huh. And I get faster every year. I can't wait. I trained at altitude. Did you? Yes, I did. I trained it. That's got to help. That's it's got to help. help. So, so I'm just. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> saying I should be on your draft board, but I'm, I'm suggesting f- to just keep you know peripherally. 
Well, let me tell you this. Out. If you can get faster this year than yes. you were last year, then yes. I promise you I'm going to put you on our draft board. Please. And I will take a picture and send it to you. Will you, will you please do Absolutely. that? Absolutely. You'll That's, be on the board. I love that, John Elway. <laughs> I will take that and run with it. I will you, run with it. You got it. Faster than ever. Absolutely. That's John Elway here on the Combine Special. That's John Elway. Me and John Elway. Now here is my conversation with the host coach of the Combine, the Indianapolis Colts head coach, Chuck Pagano. I'm pleased to be here with the host coach of the Scouting Combine, the coach of the Indianapolis Colts, Chuck Pagano. How are you, coach? I'm doing great. Good to see Thanks you. For having me. A very rare first question that I would ask a coach is, is how are you doing? But I guess with your obvious um, recovery and uh, what you have gone through over the last year, that's the germane question. How are you feeling? I feel great. Yeah, I feel great. I'm in, uh, I'm in remission, and uh, I've, got, uh, I've got a road, you know, to hoe. Uh, so to speak, ahead of me, but uh, the tough part is, is behind me, and uh, I feel really good. What do you still have to do, essentially? I've got two years, basic of, basically, of taking uh, an oral medication. I'll take it uh, every three months for a couple weeks. Two years of that, go in uh, every three months for, for checkups, and they'll tell you you're still in remission, hopefully. And then after that, you go every six months for the next three years. It's kind of a five-year window, uh, Rich, that... Uh, you know, if you go five years, you make it through, and you're still in remission. They give you a certificate and, and certificate. send you on your way, and say you're you're good to go. You're a you're a survivor. So, I'm I'm sitting in a good place. What what the the Chuck Strong campaign? What what can you do with that now? We obviously know why it started last year and what it meant to the community, to you, to your team. What about now moving forward? Well, when you talk about the community and, and what they did to uh, uh, embrace uh, myself and my family, I mean, they barely knew me. And uh, the, ra- the way they rallied and, and the support that they gave me, the, the platform that I have now is, uh, you know, when I got to the Colts, one of our big culture things was, you know, serving. Uh, now I have an opportunity to give back and to serve. And so uh, I'm going to do everything I've got a big job, of course, uh, obviously, and uh, and now I have uh, another uh, another responsibility that uh, I feel obligated and, and uh, uh, to give back and to support you know all those that are uh, going to battle something uh, like I battled or are you know battling it right now. Are you aware though of the national uh, hold that you and the Chuck Strong campaign had on the football fan from? See to Shawnee's international even. Were you aware of it? You know, sitting in the hospital, uh, going through some of those dark days. You know, my wife was with me uh, every step of the way, Tina, and uh, she. You know, I never, I didn't have any idea that it was actually, you know, took off and took place, and then it started to generate a little bit of momentum. And and uh, she would read me, you know, different things and tell me about this, tell me about that, and then obviously having a chance once I got out of the hospital to uh, to participate and get to a game, and then. See a couple cheerleaders shave their head and the, yeah. and the players and, and those type of things. It's it's uh, very humbling, uh, overwhelming, um, and it just speaks to. Uh, there's a lot of crazy things you know that we're dealing with in our country right now and, and around the world that happen and and we really don't know why. But uh, when you go through something like this, it just reveals to you just how good of people there are out there. And, and yeah. And where does football rank now? in your life compared to where it used to rank? Well, we've always kind of said faith, family, and football. Sure, right. You know, so uh, obviously uh, it's been uh, part of my life since, uh, 
you know, I can remember growing up in a football family, so it's, it's, a, it's obviously a major, uh, major part in my, my family's part and my daughters and, and everybody involved. But uh, uh, I don't think life uh, itself uh, will ever be the same uh, for me uh, moving forward just because of, uh, you know, what I've been through and what my family's been through and, and our organization and things like that. So uh, there's a lot of good, obviously, that uh, is going to come from this and will continue to come from this. Yeah, in terms of the organization, I mean, just flashback to a year ago, Peyton Manning was still on your roster. Um, Andrew Luck was still in Stanford. Um, and you guys were, you were part of the main part of picking up some pieces around here. Now you're a head coach of a playoff team from last year. What, what expectation level do you have for the 2013 Colts? Well, I was just asked the, uh, the same question. And uh, when I got here a year ago, uh, you know, I was asked, you know, we obviously knew where everybody had us and we tried to use that as motivation and uh, moving forward and what the expectations were. And because of, you know, the turnover and new GM, new head coach and uh, Hall of Fame players leaving the organization, all that stuff, uh, what the expectations were. Well, we set the bar really high for ourselves, you know, in year one. And uh, it'll be the same uh, for this year. Uh, I think like everybody else, you know, our goal uh, will always be uh, chasing the Lombardi Trophy, and uh, and that'll be our goal again this year. And, and guys will come back on April fifteenth, and we'll have that first meeting uh, in Phase One, so to speak, of the off-season program. And we'll flash that Lombardi up on the board again and say, hey, uh, obviously you got to win your division to get in the tournament, and that's our first goal. But the ultimate goal is to to feel the confetti, and that's why uh, we signed up to do what we do. It's why we coach. It's why we play. Uh, this game is to ultimately win that prize. What was it like watching your previous guys hoist that Lombardi <laughs> this year? It was it was awesome. Uh, it was, uh, you know, all the hard work um, that I saw those players and coaches go through for uh, the previous four seasons, uh, the dedication, the sacrifices they made, uh, the ups and downs, injury, all those things that, you know, everybody goes through, and then finally achieving that goal and watching that happen. Um, we built some great relationships there. Uh, got great respect and admiration for that organization and uh, the owner and uh, Steve Bashotti and Ozzie Newsom and John Harbaugh gave me an opportunity back in 2008 to come and be the secondary coach there. Uh, so we got a ton of great relationships there uh, with you know not only the front office and the coaching staff but the players and couldn't be more happy uh, for those guys. How good is Andrew Luck? He's really good. <laughs> And as long as he's healthy and upright and, uh, and that arm's, you know, working, uh, we're going to be okay. When did you know, when did you know that he was more than just your, for lack of a better phrase, ordinary first overall quarterback chosen? I think in the offseason when he finally got here, you know, based on the rules, you know, going to Stanford, you know, Griff, Whalen, you know, Kobe, Fleener, and Andrew uh, couldn't show up till we were about done, you know, and uh, watching him walk into the huddle for the very first time uh, at, a, at an OTA practice, and he hasn't been there. Everybody else had been there, and he got to the line of scrimmage and saw something on defense and changed protection, made a few calls here or there, and, every, and, time, and it was like, you know, time stopped. Everybody stood still and said, what are you talking about? <laughs> he had started throwing things out that uh, – that he had learned, you know, uh, 
and nobody else knew. And that's when I said, okay, this kid's pretty, <laughs> this kid's pretty special, you know, and, and obviously, you know, watching what, he's, uh, what he did in his, his first year, you know, you could go back and, and look at his body of work and look at him uh, as a player in college and what he did at Stanford and did for that university that, um, you know, it, didn't, it wasn't surprising to, to see the uh, uh, success that he had. You know, he's such a, he's just a, he's a great person. He's a great player. But he's a better person. He's a better human being. He's a better teammate than, than you could ever ask for. Because if you think about it, uh, I mean, the f- he, he didn't just replace anybody. I mean, he, he replaced a guy whose face was on the side of the building. This building may even exist based on what Peyton Manning did here. And it, it seemed almost seamless, which you never really hear about or see in the NFL. And he handled it in such a way where uh, he, he didn't he – didn't, seem to be carrying that burden for a split second. And I'm wondering, what did you say anything to him? Did you have to say anything to him on that front? It's just how he's wired, Rich. It's in his DNA. Uh, it's how he was raised. It's the job that, you know, his parents, that Oliver and his, his mother did, uh, you know, raising him. It's just he's unflappable that way. And, uh, and 95% of the guys would have been, you know, that would have played a major role. And, uh, and, you know, their performance and how they played on Sundays and how they handled those things. But it's just like every fourth quarter comeback, um, every mistake uh, he made, every bad throw, every interception, you know, he's his own worst critic. But at the same time, he's able to put it behind him and come back and move on. And so he's just, he's just special. That's just, that's in his DNA, like I said, that's the way he's wired. And uh, there's uh, very few like him. And uh, obviously, Peyton Manning was uh, here for so long. Reggie Wayne stayed, so that was a, a, a nice transition. And Dwight Freeney was here as well, although he is no longer part of the organization. A lot of folks, certainly here in Indianapolis and around the country, see the cap space that the Colts reportedly have and wonder why couldn't something work out for Freeney here any longer. What would you say to that? You know, like uh, like a year ago, uh, there's going to be tough decisions that you're going to have to make every year uh, in the National Football League. Uh, personnel, uh, the roster, uh, are main main decisions that you're going to have to you're going to have to deal with. And um, you know, I can't thank you know Dwight enough uh, being here just my first year and uh, missing the time that I missed. Uh, his leadership, what he's done for this organization for over a decade. Uh, his performance on the field, off the field, what he's done for the city, what he's done for the fans. He's been a pillar guy. He'll always be a Colt. And, uh, you know, it's hard, hard to replace. But, uh, again, uh, when you look back and you, and you, you make decisions uh, uh, moving forward, you do, uh, you do it all based on a couple things, and that's what's best for the team and, and winning. And, and it was just, you know, it was time to, uh, to part ways. And, and uh, we wish him uh, nothing but the best. And, uh, and I know he'll be successful wherever uh, you know he lands. Did he not fit your system ultimately? Is that the? I way? Don't, I'm not going to put a, a, a finger you know mm-hmm. on you know whether it was a system uh, production. There's a lot of you know uh, talk out there about a lot of different things. Uh, why it was just you know time to move on. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, lastly, going into this season, are you? I, I mean, is it a fresh start for you that, that last year? was so, uh, in many ways, exhilarating and awful for you personally. I mean, the, the gamut of emotions, uh, you couldn't even make that stuff up. Are you 
looking at this year as just a completely different year, that was last year. You are now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, and that is what identifies you as opposed to anything else. Yeah, moving forward, yeah. It's going to be good to have that all be uh, behind me, but I think uh, life as I know it will never be the same. I think that will always be part of, of you know, me, my family, uh, this organization, the team last year, everybody that was a part of it because uh, there were so many great things that came out of it. And, uh, you know, when you go through certain circumstances like that, it reveals uh, a lot of things uh, to you, uh, not only about yourself, uh, but about your family, uh, the people around you, your organization, you know, what a great man, you know, uh, Mr. Ursay is, what great people we have in this community. Um, so fresh start, you know, I, I tried to, I stayed engaged, you know, as best I could. You know, I was right down the street from the stadium and from the practice facility. But having the ability to, to watch practice tape and communicate uh, because of social media, via text, email, whatever it was, stayed as close as I could, uh, you know, to that team. So um, it's going to be nice, you know, to uh, uh, be back to somewhat uh, what you call normalcy. And uh, fresh start, I... I I've obviously got uh, a new lease on life. Uh, I've never really taken uh, any day for granted. Uh, I know our players won't uh, anymore. I know none of our coaches will. I don't know if anybody in the building will, but I certainly won't. Well, when you're dancing at your daughter's weddings, you can make that registry public because I think there'll be a bunch of people that want to celebrate with you yeah. coast to coast. You can get some nice candlesticks out of this whole thing. Yeah, I can't wait to do <laughs> it. Know, I bet. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Chuck, thank yeah. you so much. Appreciate That's Coach it, Chuck Pagano of the Indianapolis Colts right here on the combine special a great chat with chuck it's always uh he's one of those guys he's a good guy to root for and uh, we will see what he does in year number two with the indianapolis colts as you heard he makes he's gonna be a fresh start now here i am sitting down with the head coach of the st louis rams also of the competition committee so i have a couple of bones to pick trying to pound the table to uh, get a couple of rules changed in the national football league here is jeff fisher the NFC West sent two teams to the playoffs last year, one to the Super Bowl, but neither the 49ers or the Seahawks had the best record in division. That belonged to the St. Louis Rams and the head coach who's right here, Jeff Fisher. Nice to see you. How are you, Jeff I'm Fisher? good. I'm good. So you go 4-1-1 one, and one in what everybody's calling one of the toughest divisions in football. How do you rank your first year in St. Louis? You know, um, it wasn't a rebuilding year. It wasn't, you know, but it just it was not good enough, you know, That's for, from our standpoint. We lost games that we had a chance to win early on and throughout the season, and uh, we learned a lot. That's the thing I think that's so good about what happened is that this, our young team learned a lot, and uh, so we have to learn not to let those things happen again. But it's a real fun team to coach, um, you know, um, to, to, to go out and win a game on the road for them was something, a weird experience, you know, because they hadn't done it in a while. But uh, as you say, our division is outstanding division. Uh, well, Arizona, Arizona came to St. Louis undefeated. Uh, we, we forget about that at the beginning. So, um, so it was quite a challenge for us, but that's yeah. probably the way they played. That was our Thursday night game. That's right. We were there yeah. that night. Yeah, that's right. And it was that's funny right. that uh, <laughs> Lauren Itis and Chris Long came to our set after the game, uh-huh. and they said, that they had, it had been a very long time that they had played a game with a camera hovering over the middle of the field right, right. and the whole yeah. country watching. Yeah. And it was funny, at the end, they, they, they were enjoying staying on the set so uh-huh. much, Dion asked them to leave, said it's time it's for you to go. time to get in the locker room. <laughs> go find your coach, yeah. 
But you can yeah. see how much joy they were taking is, in, in these moments. What, yeah, for it's hard. You know, I mean, this, this no team in a five-year span in the history of the NFL lost more games than our organization prior to last year. So, um, you know, winning games is what it's all about. And, you know, we won a few, and then we had one that we, uh, we had one team in particular that took us ten quarters to beat. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and, you know, it's funny because, you, you know, you, you go through that tie experience, and that is – a unique experience, but then to play them three weeks later, and you you're going to guarantee that there's no way that's going to happen again. Unbelievable! And we're two minutes away from that happening again. Yeah, that was unbelievable. And yeah. if people were going to be for the rest of the maybe the next decade having trouble dealing with Colin Kaepernick, they have your team to blame because it was true. your team that knocked that's Alex right. Smith yeah. out of the game. Yes, and then ushering in the yeah. <laughs> yeah, ushering yeah. in the whole. Kaepernickness of it all. I would think the 49er fans are probably uh, also Ram fans at heart now. (laughs) Well, certainly was uh, something that was uh, opened up uh, in many ways uh, a genie out of a bottle that we already had seen with Cam Newton, Mm. already seen with obviously RG3, who your team had a a chance to draft. Mm -hmm. You're going with the pocket guy Mm -hmm. in Sam Bradford. Where do you stand on this whole subject of, of quarterbacks and where offenses are going? We've got Carolina this year. So we're going to see that offense five times. So we've got work to do, as everybody else does. And it doesn't mean to say that another one's not going to pop up someplace, you know. And then I just mentioned moments ago, that's our challenge. That's the, that's the challenge in NSC West is the, is the mobility at the quarterback position, the pistol, the read option, those, whatever you call it, okay. The NSC East has their own new challenge now in Philadelphia with the high tempo. So... Um, you know, the game changes, and, and you're, you're forced to adjust on both sides of the ball. Defensively, we have to adjust. And what do you think Bradford needs to do here to take well, a step and become in that elite class here? You know, how about uh, have his second year in the same offensive system? Because this is a, it'll be the first time he's going to experience that. Because last year, our system was his third offense in three years. So um, we need to surround him with better people. He can make all the throws. He's an outstanding deep ball thrower. And he's a little more, um, he has more mobility than people think. He can pull it down, run for first downs, do that kind of stuff. Uh, we need to do a better job keeping him upright. And we did that as, as we moved through the season, minimizing the hits. And uh, like I said, get some better people, you know, and we're working at that. What about Steven Jackson? Is he going to be one of those people? We are, uh, yeah, I hope so. We're in the middle of that. Uh, Steve's out of the country. Uh, We're talking to his agent. We'd love for him to have a chance to finish up his career with us. Now, moving forward, what are, you, what are you hoping to get out of this combine? I mean, you saw some kids last year that you drafted that, yeah. that made some immediate impacts. Jenkins yeah, obviously Jenks, being one of yeah, them. Yeah, right Jenks, there. True, uh, Chris Givens, Daryl Richardson. And, and so, you know, what, what, you, what you get out of this is you've you got to aggressively attack the interview process and get as much information as you can, ask as many questions as you can. Uh, and then hopefully we're going to get enough guys participating that where you'll be able to look at some, see some athletic ability. You know, we have a pretty good sense for the strengths of this draft. I think I'm obviously I'm much further along than I was last year. I was still interviewing coaches, and we were just hired a GM. So, um, you know, we have a good sense for you know, what we need, and, and we're either going to do it with these guys out here or we're going to try to do it through free agency. Speaking of changes, let's hit some uh, – you're on the competition committee, mm-hmm. long-time co-chair. After your year off, mm-hmm. you're, you're back with the committee. What, what changes do you think are going to be made? Because you're getting a sense of, of the membership maybe. You're getting a sense of what your committee's thinking about. What mm-hmm. do you think 
when it's all said and done, we're going to see in Well, I think it's, when it's said and done, it's going to be player safety related. Um, that's, that, was the, that was the bulk of our discussions. We'll resume this talks and the committee gets together in a couple of weeks from now. But player safety things, uh, we're constantly um, concerned about that. You know, the low peel back blocks where the offensive player is blocking back towards his own end line. The Brian cushion. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. those kind of things. Will um, that be outlawed? I think there's a chance, yeah. I think, I'd like to see it outlawed. I'd like to see him stay up. It's not necessary. You know, that the players actually can't see it. You know, he's defenseless. And that's the thing. Where we're trying to go is, you know, whenever somebody gets surprised or gets shocked because they, can't, they cannot see a block or what have you, then you need to give them helmet-to-helmet protection, and you need to give them protection down his legs. And so we'll move that direction. And a few other things. I mean, I, I think we need to look at and continue looking at um, the PAT, the try. What do you mean? What about it's that? just it, we're going to lose players. Uh, you got an I mean, offense. Gronkowski heard his well, heard his yeah, I, that. I don't remember seeing that. But you know, you got you got potential for four guys to load on one guy. And that guy that they're loading on has got his feet interlocked. He's got no chance to protect himself. And when you have over, you know, whatever the number of, of extra points were, and field goes over 2,000 and there's 11 blocked, you, you, you need to pr- make sure that guys on that on the particular team. Protect. What are you going to do? You're going to outlaw? Just get well, just no, no, not allow the guys to push. Oh, okay. You know, not, and, and not lo- allow the defense, the rush guys, to go low. Okay. Again, protect, just protecting the protection team. Well, people look at the PAT sometimes like a penny. Like, yeah. You know, like you need, you yeah. need pennies. Yeah. You get it? Yeah. But who needs pennies? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they, they, they're they all over the yeah. place. Yeah. Like, we're what still going to make them kick it, and okay. we're still going to allow you to rush it, but not to the extent that we're, what we're allowing them to do now. Now, player safety, in a couple minutes I have left with you, in, the, in these rules, obviously everybody needs to uh, understand what the league is going through in terms of uh, player safety, mm-hmm. and it is essential. That is understood. But when you are seeing in a game the player safety calls that are being made mm-hmm. and how they sometimes affect the momentum, whether mm-hmm. somebody gets to keep the ball or mm-hmm. not, where somebody may mm-hmm. have to punt or not, with the helmet-to-helmet right. stuff. Right. It happens so quickly. Right. Helmet hits shoulder. It's called helmet-to-helmet. Mm-hmm. When you can go under the hood and see this stuff, why not make those calls reviewable? It's being discussed. It was discussed here this week. So we got a lot of you have a lot of things that, that go into variables because right now we don't we don't review penalties whether it is a penalty or whether it is not a penalty except the too many men on the field. That's the only like one. That. That's the only one. And so what to give you an example? What if there's a non-call? What if there's helmet to helmet and it's not called? Okay, what does the coach do? Does he challenge it? You see, so you, we've got to look at we have to look at everything and that, that's affected by making a rule change like that. But it has been discussed. Uh, uh, if it's not called and a coach challenges it, and the the replay observer or, or the referee sees it is helmet to helmet, then is it a penalty? So now I'm I, I potentially as a coach could create a penalty by through challenging a play. So there's a lot of things that, that we're looking at. And, again, we, everybody understands it. We understand the frustration. It's happened to us. It's, it happens to everybody, and it's a big play. And so we're trying to sift, sift through it and sort out and see if we can remedy that. What about – this is my pet, my, 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 uh, pet peeve, lastly. I'm going to mm-hmm. use this moment. Okay. I think I've talked to you about this before, the tuck rule. Yes. Is there a chance that that departs never to be seen or heard from again? 
It has been discussed and will be continue to be discussed. <laughs> what is the, the point issue? of having it, though? That's well, because we all understand what a tuck is. We all know what it is. Right. And so what, where do you go? Do you go, okay, uh, as I'm coming, if, any, if I lose the ball here, it's right. incomplete. But if I lose the ball here, is, a, is it a fumble? Well, any any time you could you could sort of see that if somebody is yeah. tucking the ball, there is yeah. no more clear indication of I do not intend to throw. I am now a runner. That well, so that's correct. That, so if he but and the, the if he completes the tuck and the right. ball comes out, it's a fumble. Okay. Right. So if, if I go like this and pull it in, and I've completed the tuck, and then the ball comes out, it's a fumble. It's that this is the the process of tucking the ball all the way to here, the ball is incomplete. It's, it's going to be called a fumble on the field. We know that. We go back and, and challenge it, and it's a tuck. It's coming down. The question is, wh- wh- what do you do when it comes out? At what point? Here it's it- incomplete, incomplete, incomplete. At what point is it no longer incomplete and a fumble? How about below the shoulder? Okay. How about you say if, if, if it's up here, it's until it's below. I'm trying to do whatever I can here that, to be a factor. Yeah. That as, soon as, as soon as your arm is dipped below. Mm-hmm. Your yeah. shoulder, you can draw a line. What if your arms hit or your turn side? I mean, there's so many. Different. I know. See, what it's just the, the, yeah, the one thing. Uh, the one thing we do know mm-hmm. is every. I think everybody understands the rule. I think it really muddies up if you start doing this and that and this and that. So it's never going to happen, is what you're telling. Never me. say never. Never say never. Thanks for coming. Okay. Thanks Jeff for asking hard questions. Oh yeah. Hey, yeah. listen. Yeah. I got to ask. This is this because this is what fans talk about mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, about the game, parsing it out, and yeah. you know, obviously getting this stuff straightened out yeah. is part. I, see, I, I, it's not just for me. I do it for the people, coach. Yeah, you know and so, so, so do we. So is the committee. It's good. See, that's Jeff Fisher of the competition committee and the St. Louis Rams on the combine special. Jeff Fisher, everybody. We are now back in Los Angeles, just like the combine special tonight, emanating from Indianapolis, Indiana, and Los Angeles, California, with the interviews you just heard. Sliced up by television podcast producer Chris Brockman. Now we are back in Los Angeles with Chris Brockman himself. Good to see you, sir, in person. Rich, it's great to see you. We are now taping this on the day of the special, Wednesday. Everything that you heard previous had been taped over a few days, including the Tuesday, just right after the podcast, uh, right after the combine was over chat with Mayock, and Charles Davis, that was Tuesday. I hopped on a flight, got back. Here I am Wednesday. You are still putting the finishing touches of the com- of the uh, Combine special I'd together? Say, I'd say we're about 97% done okay. at this point. It's, All right. uh, let's see, what time is it? It's 11.07 Pacific. Pacific time. Okay. And you're going to put this thing together. It's going to be on tonight at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Eastern time. And um, that's emanating from here in Los Angeles, the last part of it. You were with Ed Reed. Right, the final leg. On the red carpet, just like you were with Heinz Ward last, uh, last year. I'm you a were, red carpet veteran at this You are point. now a red carpet veteran <laughs> of the Oscars. I am. Fantastic. Um, and, and I tried with Jeff Fisher. I've tried my best to get rid of the tuck rule. Yeah, but see, I don't understand what's your, what's your beef with the tuck rule. Right? My beef it's a, with it's the, a fantastic rule. Now, I know you're a Patriot fan. You're a Patriot homer. Which is great that you have now been on the red carpet with a Steeler and a Raven. I know. Okay. Um, but you don't understand what my beef is with the, with the tuck rule. If your arm is below your shoulder level and you are bringing it into your body, there is no more clear indication that you are now running, have no intention of throwing at all. That is what my problem is, that that 
portion of bringing the ball into your body should not be protected. Right now it's protected. In between the shoulder and the right. tucking it to your body is protected as if it is an incomplete pass. That is clearly the process of now I want to run. I do not want to pass anymore. And Jeff Fisher saying, well, what if it's a follow-through and it clearly is a pass? Shouldn't that be an incomplete pass? Jeff Fisher wasn't buying your argument. He was not. Think. He was not. Nor was he buying the argument of me trying to get this thing changed with reviewing helmet-to-helmet contact. Right. Because he brought up the point of now what if they're – was helmet talent contact called. and it wasn't called, do you now right. open that up for review? And I say, yes. But do you call it a penalty after the fact? Yes, you do. You throw the flag on it. It's the same thing as too many men on the field. That you, It's not called, but you can review it. Then they just say, okay, you pick up the red challenge flag. You're correct. I hand it back to you, and I take the yellow flag out of my pocket, drop it on the ground, call five-yard penalty. These 15-yarders are so uh, crucial. I, 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 think, I think there needs to be something done about hits that aren't but were flagged because clearly it happens all the time where guys shoulder helmet to shoulder and that gets called helmet to helmet when clearly the replay shows Mm -hmm. that it's not yeah something needs to be done in that sense i think i agree with you i'm not sure how you're going to call penalties after the fact because you do it for too many men on the field you do it for too many men on the field when so I'm, I'm sitting at home, right? I don't see there are too many, many men on the field i'm a fan sitting on the couch i do not see that there are 12 men on the field I see the play go off as scripted or as as intended by the offense. Big pass, touchdown. Now all of a sudden there's a red flag on the field. There was too many men on the field. I don't notice that sitting at home. I'm like, wait a minute. So my team doesn't score a touchdown? Let's see. And then you always have the telestrator guy. One, one two, three, four, all right. the way to 12. Right. Yep, too bad. And I'm sitting there going, oh, come on, man. This helmet-to-helmet stuff, I see. I see it. Yeah, especially when there's 18 cameras on the field. And no, the but I'm seeing it in the process almost. of the play. Sure. This is as obvious as it gets. And if there's a flag on the play, and I'm like, wait a minute, the helmet the helmet hit the chest. Right. Or wait a minute, those two helmets collided. Uh, there was no penalty on the play. So I'm not being what, – what, 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 what does it take from the, the fan perspective? Nothing. What we're doing is stitching together a safety net here. For the officials who are erring on the side of caution, pretty much nine times out of ten. Let's get it right. That's what replay is for, getting it right. Are you worried at all the, about it lengthening the game? I'm not, but they are. The league is, and the referees are, because they're being graded on length of game. They don't want it, and head coaches probably don't want it. You heard what Fisher said. Hey, it's gone for me. It's gone against me. But they are talking about right. it. I mean, the game's already as long. I hope they do get it right. Pretty long. But. And, uh, again, before we get into the, the red carpet of it all, the big news as we're talking right now, Alex Smith right. apparently is going to be a Kansas City Chief. We kind of saw this coming, I think. Well, I'll tell you this. We did see it coming. Uh, on our old friend Jason Lockenfora reported over the weekend for CBSSports.com that it was – he didn't peg the team. He said it was a done deal, pretty much, that he heard it's a done deal. Now everybody's pegged the team. It's the Chiefs. Two picks, it looks like. pegged it. Rappaport pegged it. Second rounder. And- I don't know what it is, but he's going to be a Chief. And I'll tell you what, it's a great move for Kansas City. It is a great move because uh, Castle is an untenable situation for right. them. You cannot, with bringing in a whole new regime, stick with Pioli's guy. You can't. you gotta, you got to start fresh. And nobody else on that roster is going to be the guy. Is he going to trade for Cobb? You bring in the, the, the Cardinals damaged goods with all that money. You're going to bring him in. 
no, Fol- you're, you're going to bring in Foles. No, you're, you're going to tell, you're you're gonna tell Kansas City. You're going to tell Kansas City, hey, guess what? We're going to do. We're going to do what Pioli did, which is bring in the backup from his old spot right. and say he's your new guy. Can't do that one either. No, Go and get Alex Smith. The guy was one play away from the Super Bowl. Right. Bring in another new guy. You're going to come together and bring this. And, and you take a look at the rest of the landscape. There's Flynn. You want to trade for Sanchez? Ryan Mallett. What, what are the other options out there? And I'll tell you what I heard from uh, some coaches at the Combine. This quarterback class coming out right now, no chance you go ahead and you, you throw yourself into that lot and you put your eggs in their basket from Jump Street. They are not ready for prime time from what I'm hearing. Now, obviously, you never know. You never know. Here's a story I heard from one coach because you know that you have these interviews at night and right. the quarter, you get 15 minutes with the players right? and you put them on the grease board. That's what you do with quarterbacks. You say, draw me your – you see it with Mariucci when he has the players in on NFL Network. You see it when Gruden, when he does his stuff on ESPN. Right, it's always show me your favorite play. Show me your favorite play. Draw it up. Let me see it. You do that. But the thing that you really do to test the knowledge of these quarterbacks and see if they can move from one level to the other is say two-minute drill. Two-minute drill, you got me in your ear, but you also see what's going on on the field. You are going to have to audible to play. And I was told by one coach that for a couple of these quarterbacks that he did this with, wouldn't name the quarterbacks, and I'm not naming the coach, that it was like, okay, two minutes to go, give me your play. And the quarterback sort of drew up a play. And then he said, well, now the defense is changing. What do you do? And this was the answer. I look to the sideline, and the coach gives me the play. How many times, this is my pet peeve, and I've told you this so many times before, being a Michigan guy with Rich Rod's offense and those types of offenses, how many times have you seen in college football where there's a quarterback in shotgun looking at the defense, moves the foot up and down as if you know he's about to snap it, then steps back, turns right to the sideline and stares. Right. And gets the play. And they have those gigantic like cards, cards right. with, with numbers and whatever it is. Whatever on it. Yeah. Scott Van Pelt's face. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And I'm I, I and I'm sitting there saying, that is not the college program I would want my son to be in. I want to get ready for the next level. You know what they don't have in the NFL? Gigantic play cards. Well on you the know what? I, I did see Chip Kelly in the airport. And I did tell him, listen, you're going to the next level now, Coach. I love Van Pelt. You know I'm a big Van Pelt guy. Right. Fowler. You know, I love Fowler. AC, He's DC. my guy. Okay? I'm like, but this is the next level. If you are going to have big cards, got to have my face on that thing. <laughs> you're always schlepping for yourself. I am. I love that. Yeah, I am. I am. But the point is this. The point is this. Now, Kel, I, I don't want to lump Chip Kelly's in because I don't know. I can't put my hand on a, on a Bible and put my hand in there and swear that his quarterbacks don't know how to audible. But how many times have you seen that? And now they're, here they are in a combine interview looking at a head coach in the face and saying, oh, yeah, with a two-minute drill, that's what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to look to the sideline. That's what I'm used to. No chance if you're I, Andy Reid. I guess You're going to draft way. one of these guys, try and coach him up from now no until chance. day one and throw your eggs in that basket, absolutely I'm throwing a two at the 49ers. But I guess in a way, I, res- I respect those guys' honesty for actually saying, yeah, I'm going to look at my coach and, and see what well, he they says. Did. That's, that's what so many of these interviews, you know? they, the, these guys are being honest because they, 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 they can't be caught in a lie. They can't be. Right. Well, certainly if they don't know any better, how are they going to fump for their way through yeah. that? How are they going to Costanza their way out of that interview? <laughs> 
You know what I mean? But, but course, I heard that from a coach. I heard that from two coaches. Two. That these were the interviews with these kids. That they're just, they're not, they're not. Whereas RG3 and Luck in, in the, and Russell right, Wilson right. in these interviews last or, or year. Matt Ryan, didn't he just destroy Aced the, the tests. Yeah. Aced them. And if you've got the first overall pick in this draft and you're the Chiefs, are you going to really do that? No, they're going to get Alex Smith, and they're going to go with the, the. I think they're going to go with the lineman they feel is best, or maybe these defensive tackles that Mayock is, is raving about. Right. Well, you and I are here in the studio here in Los Angeles. We are, and we're about to talk Ed Reed. Law is where's Law? Is he in the? Is he really in the Indianapolis airport right now? Still, <laughs> well, apparently he's is in he the really? Indianapolis airport. Oh, well, Kave, you're you're filling in for. Chris Law today, correct? I actually am. Introduce yeah. yourself to the podcast listenership I'm here. I'm Kavi Kigazi, producer, editor, NFL.com. Okay. I work with Law every day. You do? I do. And and Are you involved in all these meetings that he's going to? Yeah. Uh, some of them. Some of them. I mean, he's, he's a pretty important guy. I'm not involved in all oh, of them. Oh, no. Wow. That's you, no, my yeah, Lord. You, sh- you shouldn't have done shouldn't have So can that. you can you get Law on the phone for us, Kavi? I can. Can I you really? Can. Is yes. he already there? Yes, he is. He's a, Law, are you... Are, are you there? Gentlemen, I've been, I've been listening into your entire conversation. Oh, Lord. Time. Okay. What have you chimed in many a times? Great job recapping things. I'm at gate A24 of the Indianapolis airport. Okay. I'm late on my flight to Chicago. What's, what's uh, the I've scene had, in the airport right now? The scene is quiet. It's actually a beautiful airport. For some reason, this airport's incredible. Uh, I'm at the Granite City Food and Brewery. I stepped outside. I put my beer down, came out to say hello. Your beer? And, uh, Your beer. Yeah, we already just we already just mentioned what time it is Pacific. Are you having like a two p beer, buddy? Look, airport time warp allows you to have a beer at airport five a.m. or at midnight. There's no rules. We do airport. not condone this. We do not condone <laughs> this sort of stuff. At least you're not driving. You're not Denzel Washington on the plane coming up next, right? You're no. not flight. You're not no, going to be the flight. I, I, I'm good. No. Okay. Uh, no, yeah, I'm, I'm delayed. I'm, I'm going to Chicago for a few days. Going to the Bulls Sixers game uh, tomorrow night. No and, boy. Uh, All right. Now people are yeah. now people are already trying to fast forward through this thing. Hey, Law. What 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 do we want to talk about with Law? Brockman, what do we have? Do you have any questions for Chris Law from his his Indianapolis? We were at the we had the uh, an Oscar night. We let's move to the Oscars. We had our Oscar party. Who ended up winning? Ronit Larone, well, coordinating yeah. producer, NFL Total Access. Her first shot at it. Twenty five uh, guesses. You know, you twenty five categories. Twenty three of twenty five. Which ones did she miss? I don't remember. Insane. I think she might Insane. have missed. Uh, she got Christoph Waltz. I went Denny Room. You did, but I, Jim Morris Senior got that one right. I went Waltz too. I went Waltz also. Yeah, and then you got the next four wrong. Log. Then you would, you went right yeah. off the cliff. That ne- your next step was like oh. Thelma and Louise. <laughs> it was over. You obviously are having a way better time than us because you're at the Oscars, but we're there. It's a really fun time. And Rich is the official like he's he's the luminary of the Oscar party. Him and Mooch pretty much own the own the event. You're the and Seth MacFarlane, Rich. Rich? Yeah. Without the Rich is sitting there at his de- at, at, at the table with red pen in hand, marking grades for of like this person yes, this person wrong. I had to hand it off though. It was because listen, I yeah. the, the first Oscar party we ever had was in two thousand. I think I told this story yeah. for The Departed, right? Mm-hmm. Where where Vermeil started crying, right? Because De Niro, because Scorsese, Scorsese finally, finally won, won, right? And there were probably like twelve of us in 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 the room that we rented at Shula's steakhouse in the Westin of Indianapolis. There had to have been more than how many people you think were there that night, Law? Last, uh Sunday night yeah. there was seventy five. At least. Close 80, to hundred. It was pushing hundred. Maybe eighty five? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So and everyone had a had a sheet. Right. It was ridiculous. 
But at any rate, the bottom line is Ronit took it down. And uh, then I had to tap out because, you know, these days are long. Are they paging your flight, Law? Are they paging your flight? There's someone you, not my flight. Are you, are you, are you, um, are you a get immediately on the plane the first possible minute you can board guy? Or are you the guy like you're just going to wait uh, leg room or up above the space storage uh, uh, space? Maybe it could be taken up. Be damned. Damn all that. You're just going to wait till the last possible minute. What type of guy are you boarding a plane? I'm this type of guy. If I have to go overhead compartment, I like to get on to secure it so I don't have to walk backwards once the flight deboards. If I don't have an overhead compartment, I will get on as last minute as I can because why would I want to sit there any longer than I have? But how do you know whether you're going to have the overhead compartment or not? How do you know? If I if I I might not I might not have a bag with me that needs Uh-oh. to go in there. I might just have a backpack or a doesn't or matter. A Even if I have nothing to put above me got to be the first one on see i'm, I'm kind of with you i Lost. like i like to be early because i, I don't check bags i always only have carry-on so i have to get that but I, then again i'm the guy who does attract angry people on the plane <laughs> right yeah, yeah keep, keep, keep it up rich you're gonna lose i mean really <laughs> I, I am that guy you are that apparently guy. you are that guy when on my flight back yesterday you know it was one of those things where the plane stopped on the runway at lax and somebody thought that we were at the gate Dude got up, went 15 rows back to get his bag. We were in the middle yeah, of the tarmac. They flipped out on the plane, the the uh, the staff flipped out. We need to get a podcast G5. I don't know. Yeah, that's what we got to <laughs> do. All right, Law, do you have anything else to add? How, what else you got? Yeah, I, I, do, I do have a, I have a question because obviously you and Mayock sat down one-on-one with uh, Tao. Yes, we did. Him. And he was pretty much the story of the combine, other than Matthew, who performed really well and was impressive to watch. What, how, what was that like, sitting down with him? What, what was your gauge on him? I'm assuming that was your first time meeting him. Yeah, that was my first time meeting him. It was really odd that he, you know, it was the three of us in the booth, and it was really right. tight quarters. But he insisted on having a space either to his left or his right, as if there was somebody else. You couldn't resist it. You couldn't resist a joke, could you? <laughs> As Mayock would say, low hanging fruit. Low hanging fruit. He would know he was cool. He was totally at law. He was totally cool. Totally down to earth. Totally, you know, uh, nice beyond nice. And I mean, what choice does he have? Uh, what choice does he have? I don't think he's a fake. I don't. I mean, I didn't sit there and think the kid's a fake. It's just like, man, I think he just got caught up in something, and in his mind, it was real. And then the storytelling that he had for the entire year, whether it was to Gene Wojciechowski or somebody else, right? To uh, what Pete uh, Thamel Pete, Pete of, uh, of of Sports Illustrated, nobody believed that this story was about yeah. somebody he'd never met. And then you know he's a twenty-one-year-old kid when this thing finally blows up in his face. What's he going to do? And just go out the first po- podium he has and just have a a moment, right? Of reflection in front of a camera crew with press around him? I mean, of course he's not going to do that. He doesn't know what he's going to do. I mean, did he stay where he's at this weekend? Did he go up? I think he's going to absolutely 100% be drafted in the first round of this this draft. There's no question in my mind. I don't even think he gets out. He doesn't even get out of the 20s. Yeah. Really? Yes. That that, that cutaway that uh, the truck did with Harbaugh. Right. John uh, John Harbaugh, like not looking pleased with his forty time, right. which they did with your with your run for under the treadmill, but that was great. Like that was a, a really good 
big moment like in the show because all the talk is he said he wants to be a Raven. Mm-hmm. They're picking 30, 32, though. I don't think he's lasting that long either. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I honestly do not believe he gets out of the first round. Yeah. Not even close to the end of the first round. And if yeah. he does, someone's going to maybe even trade up to go get him. Man, what a story I really believe be. so. And the 40, I don't believe, is really an issue. We'll see what his pro day is. It's just, it's all just a piece of the puzzle. Yep. But I, I loved it on the on my 40, how they superimposed my run on Teo's. And I got him with, with a 10-yard head, head start. Head start. Um, but then they they superimposed me over Teo with, with uh, John Harbaugh watching and shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> Disgust. <laughs> All right, Law, thank you very much. I'm going to wrap things up with Brockman here. Go uh, go, go! enjoy the rest of your uh, beverage Adult and fly beverage. safe. Fly safe. Sounds good. One, one quick question for Brockman. Um, best, best dressed on the carpet, and how many photos did you take? Uh, I can give you a photo count. Best dressed, I, I'm going to go with Charlize Theron. Was, she was spectacular. Was, was wearing this white number, and like her short little pixie haircut kind of did it for me. Like, it was, she was incredible. Uh, Halle Berry, close. She's second. like six two, right? She's, he, she's she was she was enormous. She was presenting with Dustin Hoffman, right? And it oh, was yeah, like yeah, a, yeah, like yeah, a right. two foot, like twins. It was crazy, but uh, I, she gets my best dressed vote. And I took, let's see, I took quite a few photos. Let's see one. While you're looking, last last also question: Did you get backstage with Ed Reed and his and his boy Glenn? Because they were backstage. Did they get back? I, t- I took about 120 photos, and I did not get backstage. I was uh, ah. help- helping the crew break down, and while uh, while Glenn and Ed were schmoozing with the security guy, who happened to be a Ravens fan. Well, we're we're getting out of sequence here, Law. Nobody knows what we're talking right. about, so it's okay. You just no, keep you just I'll keep get, I'll get out of here. you just keep doing those uh, <laughs> you just keep doing those biceps. Uh, we're at, whatever girls. we're at the Greenwich outside of <laughs> outside of uh, Gate Twenty Four, whatever. Okay, drive sa- travel I'm, safe. I'm boarding shortly, boys. Thank you, Cave. Appreciate uh, you filling in for me and uh, enjoy the, enjoy the rest of the catch. Good job, Chris Law. See you, buddy. That's our latex salesman, indeed, who crushed it again this week for us. Putting the uh, combine special together, the room looks great again. He puts the room together at these uh, right. events. Room looks great. Absolutely. I mean, it's he gonna, was the gonna, one who put a. Every piece of logistics together he to get really, you guys really, on the red carpet. He absolutely. dealt with the academy. He dealt with Ed's people, which was a monster. Well, we can talk task about in such a short amount of time. We can talk about. Let's that. talk about that. Yeah. So where do we start this story? We start this story with me coming up with the idea of putting Gronk on the red carpet. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did. It was your idea. Now, now the idea again for all anybody who's coming in right now. Of, if it's your first time listening. Of of the red carpet and how he puts on the red carpet. We did right, this right, with right. Heinz Ward last year right. for, for our combine special that also featured John Harbaugh, the head coach of the Ravens. And that's, you know, I've got two head coaches this year. That means Pagano and Fisher. One of them is going to win the Super Bowl because it happened last year. Right. And then we had Mike Tannenbaum as the general manager, which means, sorry, John Elway. <laughs> uh, but he, here's one thing. Elway will never trade for Tebow. Okay, no. so I think he's immune to whatever happened to Tannenbaum. He got rid of Tebow. He got rid, so he'll never acquire Tebow as a slippery slope. I don't think that's Sanchez and Sanchez and 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 Peyton. Let's put let's let's just call them two different animals. Sure. Okay. So I think Elway's immune. But anyway, this was last year. So we put Hans Ward on the carpet. You went with him, Brockman. It was I did. a huge, huge, success. huge hit, huge, huge hit. hit to the point where people were 
suddenly whipping out oh, terrible were, towels, like right? I said, like there was about 20 Steelers fans who just happened to be there. Just with terrible towels, right? Yeah, Brooke Anderson went to Georgia, and Hines went to Georgia. She flipped out, you know, Kevin Frazier's partner on the Insider. It, it was a huge success. It was a huge success. So we're going to do this again this year. Now, we love Ed Reed. Love and him. by we, that was the royal we. Of course. Okay, because you're a Patriot fan. All right, Ed Reed is the only Raven I... But he, but this and that was before you. you and met that him, was right? before okay, I met him. Because Ed Ed's got this quality about him that's just you you can't dislike him. Right. He's so likable. He's so lovable. You want to hug the guy. He's a normal person a with a great sense of humor. Southern boy who cannot stand snakes. <laughs> okay, and and uh, I love him. I met him at the Pro Bowl for many years, one after another after another. Great guy, but. The deadline for our Academy Award uh, credentialing right. was late January. Of course. And we didn't know that we were going to really do a combine special. Well, or... but we, it was up in the air. Right. We weren't sure if we were going to want to go back The last thing, though, we we're going to do is extend an invitation to Ed Reed to do something that may or may not happen. Exactly. As he's getting ready for a Super Bowl. Right. You don't... Uh, the the general rules of this it, it's it's assumed but we'll say it anyway you don't call anybody as they're getting ready for the Super Bowl right. for anything anything not even if you're stuck on the four hundred five <laughs> and you've gone through twenty people in your contacts and you need a lift you don't call the guy who's going to be in the Super Bowl no. for anything anything okay so Gronk's out. You Gronk's out uh, of so the Gronk's of the out. no Gronk's out of the of the of the running. The Patriots get eliminated. Your beloved right, Patriots exactly. get eliminated, and you're and you say. So I say, what about Gronkowski? And that's a genius idea. I mean, an absolute stroke of genius. Because we're still trying to come up with names, and we're workshopping. We're talking about all these different names, and I was like, hey, what about him? What about him? We reach out to him. The initial response is interested, but I've got this injury. Right. I don't know if I can do this X, Y, and Z. Right. Sure enough, I saw him at the Super Bowl, and he's like, "I got other things going on." And I, that's when I turn to you. I'm like, "I, I don't." He's interested, but it just doesn't seem to me it's going to happen. Right. So then we start talking about other names. Right. So finally, right after the Super Bowl is over, we're pushing it with the Academy, who who can be who is great. Okay. They they, have they been were nothing phenomenal. but spectacular. Tarly Curtis hooked us up to the nines. Yeah, and we should we should give her that shout out. Absolutely. I mean, phenomenal. We pushed it to probably the nth degree. Gronk calls Stacy Garcia, who is on our on our on our superb uh, booking desk, mm-hmm. with uh, Rose Garcia and Marcus Smith, Drew Almeyer, who's heading the whole thing up. Gronk's in, in hallelujah, unbelievable. We are we're, we're high five. And by the way, this is a week. We're before. laughing. This is a week we're, before. We're, we're, we're laughing. So we're, we're prepping. We're getting He's ready. prepping. We're prepping. I mean, I'm coming up with cards and uh, research. We're picking confetti so we... out of it. I mean, this is right after the Super Bowl. We're pushing it to the limit. Right. Done. Just so he's ready. Gronk is in. Thursday before Oscar Sunday. 72 hours before. Yep. I'm making my way to Indianapolis across the country, which is blanketed with snow and sleet and all yep. that crap. Yep. In the midst of changing flights and all that stuff, I get the... They'll call from law that Gronk is out. Well, law called me first because we didn't want to. You had to discuss how to break the news <laughs> <Right>. to me <laughs> exactly. gently. Exactly. And the funny, so he it wakes me up because I was here late the night before here. Did you see that email? I don't know what you're talking about. You just woke me up. 
Gronk's out. Gronk is out, and I'm like, oh my oh, lord. No. And, and the thing is, I talked to his people the day before. He was in. And he was in. Now he's out. Now he's out. And we really weren't given much of an answer as to why he was out. We now we not. find out, you know, he had an infection right. in his arm, but right. that, for whatever reason, they he didn't tell us out. why we would have been able to handle it a little bit better if we'd known. Be that as it may, he's out. And I now feel like the guy in the TMZ video who got kicked in the Musburgers <laughs> by, by Gronk. right? You're Gronk's meathead buddy. And then flipped over and pounded. I'm, I don't know what to do. Yeah. So I hail Mary it, and I text Ed Reed, and he's in. He's in. He well, had to- first things first, first he said that he, had a, he said his son had a dentist appointment. And he had to get it moved. And if he could move it, he's in. But if he couldn't, he's out. Just shows you the type of family guy, the family dedication that he's in. He's got a four-year-old. You have a four-year-old. I Rich. do, you, you and I know it's tough to see these dentists. It's like seeing these pediatric dentists are like seeing the Pope <laughs> before they retire. But you know what I mean? Yep. So I understood it, and I'm like, oh, gosh, I hope so. Friday morning, get the call in. In. I'm like, this is fantastic. It's great. So now we now and and his guy. So then I start talking to his Ed's guy and give uh, him a shout out. They were all set. Glenn Yunes, he was uh, he was awesome over the weekend for really pulling this together. And, and now they're out getting Ed here. And now you have the floor, sir. Ed uh, Reed on the Oscar red carpet. What was that like? It was uh, incredible. Everyone's trying to ask me because I was there last year with Heinz. What was it like? It was better. It was different. It was the same. I I was glad I knew what to expect coming in, knowing that we were going to have extremely tight quarters. Maybe it was a blessing we didn't have a 6'7", 270-pound man sitting there. Right. You know, Ed and I are kind of the... You had the same spot, though? We had literally the exact same spot. We were right at the mouth of the Dolby Theater. Yes, I told Ed, when you texted me a photograph of it, I texted him back so he could at least have in his mind's eyes, he's flying out, where what it looks like, his vantage point. Yep. And I said, it's just like the NFL. Nobody can get in without getting past you. (laughs) (laughs) He was like the safety of the red carpet. You know? No question. Nobody can get in unless they have to pass by Ed We were one of the last lines of defense before uh, they made their way in to see all the photographers and actually literally go inside the show. We had the same spot. The same people were next to us. We had the people from China on our right broadcasting live uh, back, and then we had the Spanish television network to our left, and, you know, we were fighting with them to to get people, and it was a, uh, I kind of set it up for Ed. I was like, it's going to be a little slow in the beginning, and then it's going to be an absolute free-for-all where all the big names are going to start coming by, and we're literally just yelling and was he nervous? throwing our own Hail Marys. Was he a little nervous? You know, Ed strikes me as a guy who doesn't get nervous, but he was a little nervous. Uh, Kevin Frazier came over, Maria Menounos came over Maria Menounos, to everybody. give uh, a little pep talk, and, um, you know, Ed was like, how, how should I break the ice? And you'll see it on the special tonight. Maria kind of tells him, uh, tell him they look nice. Mm-hmm. And then maybe drop that you're a Super Bowl champion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Kay Frazier. Did she, did she reveal to Ed that she's a Patriot fan? She did not. Oh, she did not. Boy. She did not. Because uh, he might have thought that she was, you know, sandbagging him. Well, I, I was doing a little bit of recruiting before the Good for you. unofficial recruiting. Well, because you're the producer. You should before, do that sort Before, of stuff. I was trying to get Ed to come over come over to the talk. Oh, to you're our, t- talking about that. Oh, I was talking about oh, that. Oh, yeah, 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 I thought yeah, you yeah. meant unofficial recruiting of people to make sure they well, come I was, to Well, Ed. we were doing that throughout the whole day. Okay. But, uh, I mean, for football purposes, unofficial recruiting. 
Okay, so now people start trick. Uh, so people trick- start trickling in, and then it's. Uh, tell me your. Tell it, me some some it, good it's, Ed stories. It's pretty oh. much a free for all. Uh, <laughs> was he screaming people's names out to try and get them over? Oh yeah, yeah, we were screaming. Ed was. Uh, Ed was looking around trying to get people's attentions. Uh, we didn't get Jamie Foxx, unfortunately. There was uh, there were three lanes on the red carpet, if you will. Yes. Uh, for for East Coast stuff. East Coast Highway drivers, mm-hmm. you, you'll, you'll, you understand what I mean. There's the fast lane, the slow lane, and the middle lane. Well, right. the fast lane on the red carpet's in the middle. Mm-hmm. And so it's barricaded with these gigantic Secret Service-looking men. Now, these are for A-listers these who have no for, intention of talking right, to people like su- you. Supreme A-listers who have no interest in speaking. Like De Niro? Maybe, like De Niro. Maybe they talk to Seacrest on the way in, and then maybe they get their picture taken as they go inside the theater. But they're just running down the middle, kind of waving. And out the door. Yeah, out the door. I, I had a line. The uh, the fastest 40 on Sunday was run by Ben Affleck. Really? He indeed. didn't want to. Indeed. Wanna indeed. St- he, he was a little late. Jennifer oh. Garner showed up before him and he was a little late. Got it. And uh, he talked to the people from Jimmy Kimmel and then and then went inside. I actually saw your buddy, Grant. My buddy, Grant Hesloff, you know, who I've known for years out here in Los Angeles. He's a really great. And- Great guy, and so I had no who, who idea is the, who is the yeah. Go ahead. I had no idea that he was a producer on Argo, and so he He's is the producer. On he Argo. is not a, a producer. The he, he is, is a the. he was a couple guys down from us, right? And I kind of look over and I'm like, hey, that looks like the dude from True Lies. Yes, he's an old, <laughs> he's a former actor, and so well, he still is. He was in Good Night and Good Luck, and, right? So uh, you know, I look at Ed and Glenn, like they they're big True Lies. They were big fans, and I was like, hey, the guy from True Lies. Like, what is the guy from True Lies doing here? Mm-hmm. And then. You know, he kind of walks by, and uh, he saw Ed, mm-hmm. and like they they talked for a few minutes. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm in a fantasy football league with. I'm in that fantasy football That's league, the, the <laughs> one I want to win <laughs> with the fishmonger of Santa Monica and all of those. And guys. he said, "You're here for Rich." And he's like, "Yeah." He's like. Tell Rich, tell Rich Grant says what's up. That's right. And so that's when I texted you. I was like, Grant from True Lies said what's yeah, up. And I'm like, he's not Grant from True Lies. He's my <laughs> buddy Grant from all these years. And on top of it, if Argo wins, he will be the one giving the speech. And guess who gave the speech? And exactly. Grant Hesloff did give Argo the wins Best Picture, and, and he, I texted you. Your boy gave the speech. Here's the thing is that he and Clooney are longtime friends from way back in the day. There's a whole bunch of guys that, that Clooney is tight with from the f- Jump Street from the time they got here to Los Angeles. Right. They're now producing partners, making superb movies. Amazing films. Superb movies. Argo was fantastic. It good was my, Night it, and Good Luck. It was my pick to win. Argo, Ides of March right. another one. Uh, the Men Who Stare at Goats, Grant directed that. Oh, wow. Grant directed that. Um, remember so, the, TV movie, the, the TV series K Street on HBO? Yes. They did that. Yep. And, you know, up next is uh, August Osage County, which is a Tony Award-winning play they're bringing to. Wow. That's their next yeah, so, movie. Yeah, so that was hilarious, that it, you know, because I didn't know who he was. I just knew him from True yeah, Lies. And, like, and, you know, I texted you about it. And uh, another thing, so there was a lot of... Uh, as you can imagine, beautiful women on the red carpet. Stunning. Go for it. Go for it. Stunning. Go for it. Come on. Beautiful Let's, let's live women. vicariously. Sandra Bullock... Charlize Theron, like I told Law, was my my best dressed. Halle Berry, she rode the express lane, but you know she gave Ed a wave. As Sandra Bullock, uh, they were shouting, they were shouting "Blindside" at Sandra Bullock, and she looked over, noticed Ed, and gave him a bow, like she wasn't worthy. Okay. Um, Did that make the piece? That makes the piece. The okay. bow, the bow makes it. Uh, Anne Hathaway, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Jennifer ran Lawrence, right by man. us. Uh, Ed was singing. If we didn't recognize who they were, Ed was singing "Who's That Lady" uh, to, 
Who's that lady? Who's that lady? And Ed was singing that? Ed was singing. He told, so he's getting into it. Oh, he's getting into it. He told Catherine Bigelow she was wearing a nice dress. She, uh, so Catherine Bigelow came up to you? Catherine Bigelow okay. was next to us. Okay. With the next, she was talking to the Chinese. We kind of... You snuck in. We kind of snuck in, and then she was Je- walking I saw off. Jennifer Hudson came up to you, right? Jennifer Hudson Let's not, let's not give away all the contents. Nope, By the way, nope. we're going to put the... In, you know, we did this last year with Heinz Ward. We put the entire thing on audio, and it just... It, it, it didn't work. Right. Because you didn't know who he was talking to. You can't to. really tell who There's a lot of visual to. aspects to this thing. So we're going to put the entire piece that you have cut, the right. entire segment, will go up on the blog page, richeisen.nfl.com, but only after... It is aired on television. Right. So if you're downloading this before the special airs, just be patient. Please revisit, and it will be right there on, on, on the blog page. Yeah, it was, I saw it was Zoe, a fantastic Zoe afternoon. Zoe Saldana. Stop the presses. Zoe Saldana. You're looking at me like it's, she's not as advertised? No. Well, she, she was in her, her handler. I'm not going to put it on her. Her handler was being kind of rude to a, to a lot of people and not really letting her speak, but... Her and Ed had a, <clears throat> excuse me. Her and Ed had a brief interaction. Okay, well that's good. And um, we'll take brief. We'll uh, take brief. Yeah, Ed Ed uh, told, uh, called Sally Field Miss Sally. Said that she looked nice, and Ed really enjoyed himself. So he, all this is in the piece. Yep. Ed is, a, Ed is a wonderful, engaging, generous, He's nice man. He was because uh, you know early on. So the thing starts at two o'clock. The red carpet opens unofficially, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, all the people who come early are the documentary, short film, uh, lesser known, you know, so to speak. The, uh, a- the A-list doesn't hit to like the till A-list 4, 4.30 hits or like 7, 7.30, right? Because they all want right, like, to be on the ABC stuff once the, the Robin right. Roberts of the world get on the air. Right. They, they show up 4.30 on because they kind of shut the red carpet down at like quarter past five. Right. Because the show starts at 5.30. They really right. want everybody in their seats. So the 2 o'clock to 2 to 3.30... Is everybody else who's nominated. And so, Ed, you know, we talked to everybody. He was talking to all the documentary short filmmakers, the animation. I'm telling you, he's a real normal person, right? He was talking to the guys with their causes, and they were giving him business cards because, you know, Ed's real passion is his foundation. And, you know, they were saying, hey, come on out. And Ed was like, absolutely, I'll come out. It's the real thing. It's it's the real deal. He is the real thing. He is his genuine. You're sold. I'm, I'm sold. I'm sold. Ed's my guy. You're sold. I'm sold. Look at you. Ed's, Ed's my guy. Chris he is amazing. He is amazing. Fan. And you know what? You're going to see it. You're going to see it in the piece. I mean, he's talking he's talking poverty with the guys from Redemption who were nominated for a short sh- short film Love award. This, man. Love uh, it. He was talking about uh you'll see it Jason Clark, the star of Zero Dark 30. Yep. He's talking to him about um when one of the, the the SEAL team captains came to talk to the Ravens uh, during the season, he's telling that story. Like you really see it in the piece. Ed is one of a kind man. He is. And I like I told you, Rich. Sometimes hail marys are caught, and they're caught by Ed. Yeah, Reed. the Ed Reed. Uh, I mean, he bailed us out. Did he bail us? It out? It was incredible. And he and said, I, wanted, too, "I just wanted again. I mean, Ed is Ed. Really would would have been my first choice. I honestly didn't even think about it because the guy's in the Super Bowl." You, I mean, it was anybody on the Niners oh, yeah. or the Ravens is out of the mix. And then even afterwards, they, be had, thinking they about had just won thing. and they were going, you know. Yeah, so, you're not going to call him up. Like, no, of course not. He's actually, when Gronk agreed, I think he was on the parade. That may have been the Tuesday. Of, yeah. That may have been the parade day. I think you're right. I think you're right. I I'm, I'm, don't know. I honestly don't know the exact and so, dates uh, <laughs> of this stuff, but. 
was, I'm not going to call up Ed Reed. Right, right, right. So that was, go ahead. I'm I was kind of giving Ed grief about, oh, you had to move your son's dentist appointment? And he's like, oh, man. He's like, he's like you don't know how it is. Chris, like that it is stuff. like seeing the Pope. And, and he was saying, but, uh, you know, when Rich made the offer, like, this is a one in a million shot, once in he a lifetime. He said to me, it is a dream come true, yeah. is what he said to me. And yep. I'm like, wow, I think he's going to do this. Because it's so, de- I mean, and to get a Hall of Fame athlete, freshly minted Super Bowl champion, and again, as you point out, an all-world person. Yep. A dude. And, and like, you, you, you I, I would just say this. There, there couldn't have been even one split moment where you and him, were, where you're like, can you do this? Can you do that? And it was just like, you, you felt like, I'm pushing it with him. I don't want to ask him this. He's a, you could just be normal with him. Right, absolutely. You know what I mean? The, just, the, the, the one time. Yeah. So, you know, Ed's used to being on the other end of the microphone. Yes, indeed. So we had him uh, mic'd up with a lav just so we would always have his voice a going. A lav, which is a mic that you just hang Right, a mic you just kind of clip if you watch the talk shows or whatever. It's the one that's just clipped, on the lapel. clipped to the lapel. So we had one of those as a backup just so we would always get his voice. But he's holding, you know, the NFL Network stick mic. I had to constantly well early on. Then he got. Then he knew because I, I would kept. I kept hitting his elbow to get it up under, his mouth. underneath the chin to who he was speaking to. Yeah. And at one point, uh, we had a little break. He turned around and he thought it was his buddy Glenn who was hitting his elbow. Mm-hmm. He was like, "Stop hitting me on my elbow, man!" I was like, "I'll get it. I'll get it up there." And I. I didn't want to do that to Glenn. I was like, Ed, that was me. I'm sorry. <laughs> you took you took the bullet. Good for you. But he got the hang of it, and you know, I asked him, uh, you know, if he wanted to get into this at some point. You know, he wasn't sure, but he definitely enjoyed himself. He told me he wants to keep playing. So he wants to keep playing. So, I know right. we we chatted with him on Total Access, and he's going to be in next week. Um, back again. I think we're going to just get we're going to get him in studio on the podcast, one on one. We'll chat with him. You know, or whatever. Absolutely. All of us here. And just get that. Just and, get uh, some more of these stories out. So the, there. so the show's over. It's like five fifteen. You know the, the the Secret Service team. They let everybody on the carpet to kind of break down all their stuff. And so Ed kind of mingles. He was talking to the uh, Guillermo from from Jimmy Kimmel or whatever, and then a security guard. And all of a sudden, I I t- kind of turn around, and Ed and his guy are kind of making their way inside and and giving me a wave. And that's when I text him. I was like, "What's up?" He's like, "Oh, we made friends with a." Yeah, he, he, with he, a security guard, and, and they got him in, and, went, and they got inside. And he went backstage, and he did meet Jamie Fox. He did. He ended and up he meeting met Halle Berry. That's right. As he said on Total Access, I think the that's the, the line of the night. Rich is uh, I catch interceptions with this hand, and I he shook said, Halle Berry's. Hand. I know, and he said, "I think I'm going to have at least ten next year." <laughs> <laughs> what he said. And so you know, my I kept waiting for my phone to ring later that night to uh, so I could go after party it with those guys but uh ed ed admitted to me he kind of turned in early turned in early they they left the show about halfway through went back to the whole hotel That's room a tough show to make all the way through absolutely and you know what ed, ed unless was, you're like grant heslov and you gotta be there <laughs> to stick it all the way out to the end to yeah. by the way get the first lady of the united states to announce that you've won an oscar how about that and then get it handed to him from jack nicholson oh what a what a dream come true so the movie deserved it too Movie deserved it. Last year I said it was a uh, once in a lifetime experience, and so I'm glad it's a, it's a twice in a lifetime. Good for you, it was man. it was a lot of fun. And we'll I, do it again thank, next year. Thank you to you, sir. It's ridiculous. We'll do it again next year. Uh, hopefully, a little bit more a little relaxed. Sm- a I can't go through it again. <laughs> I can't go through it again. Trying to get across the country, changing flights, studying up for the combine, got the forty yard dash, all that insanity to play out. 
Last thing I needed. I honestly felt like I got kicked in the Musburgers. Really would. Really Man, did. Oh but it man. worked out. It was great. Ed is it worked Ed. out. Ed's spectacular. Ed, Ed's amazing. And, Glenn, and thanks to Glenn. Yep. His, uh, his buddy. And, Who uh, uh, made it all happen and tune in tonight, 9.30 p.m. Eastern. And Good job. We had about an hour and 25 minutes of footage. And you got it down and, to 22 uh, minutes? To seven and a half minutes. Well, just red carpet. Oh, good an Lord. An hour and 20 minutes of red so carpet footage. So you probably footage. had close to two hours of source material for the entire show. Yep. That you boiled down to 22 minutes. Yep. It's not an easy job. You're in great attitude. Seven and a half minutes for the Oscar stuff, and uh, it's the best of the best. Okay. It's awesome. So uh, do you have an international shout-out you want to give to? I'll, I'll tap dance while you do it. Uh, sure. <laughs> All right. Find one. You've got to find Oh, you can't because your, your Twitter blew up, My, I'm yeah, sure, on yeah. Super Sunday. Yeah, thanks to everyone who, uh, all the new followers and everyone who is uh, peppering me with messages at during the Chris show. At Chris Brockman. At Chris Brockman, I really appreciate it. Cave, do you have a Twitter account? I do. Give it out. Hard to spell. It's K-A-V-E-H. Cave. K-A-G-H-A-Z-I. Dude, I'm, that's like, seriously, I should cover my right eye and look like I'm reading against the wall. <laughs> I mean, does Cave count? Well, I mean, like, which, line, which, Just, which you know, line am I reading? Search K-A-V-E-H. Not that hard. Okay. K-A-V-E-H. You should, that's, and just, why won't you just go at, at Cave? Why don't you just do that? That's doable. I haven't, I haven't thought Chris, of that. Look, I did not even think of that one. We we improve people when they come on this show, correct? Absolutely. They leave here better than when they first came on the show. The podcast bump is real. It used, Chris Law used to be at Topher Law, which you didn't know if it was spelled T-O-F-E-R, T-O-P-H-E-R. Like, no, you have no, no idea. If it's, it is he a big Topher Grace fan? No clue who But it no, it's like, it's like it's the second part of Christopher. What a mess. He's now at Chris Law. I will look into the... This guy, you stand before you, who sits before you (laughs) humbly with almost 3,000 Twitter followers, used to be Chris underscore Brockman. Right. Because some mooch... Had it. ...named Chris Brockman... Had it. ...joined Twitter, sat on it, never tweeted, right? Ever. For four years, he had two tweets. The underscore's gone. Although that is like taking a, a distinguishing mark away... You're fine with it now. You're used to it you know now. What? You know what? I don't even remember the underscore days. So what which... is your Twitter account right now? <laughs> K-A-V-E-H, and my then, first name. Yes. Last name is K-A-G-H-A-Z-I. See, I'm, t- I'm done. It's hard. I, know. I check it's... out after the hey, second K. I have K. to live with this. <laughs> Seriously, I mentally checked out after the second K. <laughs> right. So why don't you just go at, at Kave, K-A-V-E-H. I, I will look into it as soon as we get back down. And, that, and it allows you to tweet longer. Because it's, it's just, it's just true. That's seven you can, extra characters. See, see how your your retweeting world may have just cracked <laughs> wide open. Very true. This is what we do, Rich. Okay, so that's my suggestion to you. Okay, appreciate it. Have I tap danced long enough for you yeah, to find but, an Yeah, but you know out? what? I don't even know if I have one. Like, I'm literally still going back, and I'm not even look through. at you. Like, what a week you had. I mean, the, the at mentions seriously were crazy. Ed's a popular guy, as Ed, you are. I mean, Ed's no, a popular no offense. Guy. <laughs> yeah, of course. No offense. <laughs> Right. Yeah. That's and fine. thanks to uh, Dan uh, Hanzus as well. Dan Hanzus from, uh, from NFL.com. Uh, NFL.com and around the league. He Law did put him out there as a photographer. I mean, Law crushed it. He, he got a- you credentialed. He got Hanzus credentialed. He got yeah. both uh, Ed and Glenn credentialed. Got a photographer. Got a camera person out there. And our audio guy. There were six of audio- us. Wow. There were six of us. Law killed in a it. very little spot. And Hanzus wrote a little running diary. You should go back and check that out on, on NFL.com. Okay. So no international shout-out this I week. I don't got it. You know what? Uh, I would, I How about – here's your international shout-out because she's from South Africa. Charlize Theron. <laughs> Best dressed. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the, the, Give uh, her the shout-out. The, the director of Brave was from Scotland, and he was wearing a kilt on the red carpet. All right. And they ended up winning the Oscar. They did. So. That, that crushed my pool. I had Wreck-It Ralph. So did I.
So did Crush I. the pool. But uh, he uh, he offered to send Ed a uh, a kilt hey. <laughs> if he wanted one. That's in the piece, too, so you can check that out <laughs> later tonight. Tonight, 9.30 Eastern time. Great job on it in advance. Thank you. I will thank uh, Chris Law, who um, I, I, I assume stumbled onto his plane. <laughs> um, Kave, thank you. Thank you. Let it's us know. Let's postscript it on your on your Twitter account. I will keep you Thank updated. you for putting this. You 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 are the one who is posting this on iTunes on NFL.com. Um, Want to thank everybody out there who uh, submitted videos to NFL to Run Rich Run. It so was fun. spectacular. Yeah, they exploded in the last six to seven days. It was great. Go to NFL.com slash Run Rich Run. You see every single one of those videos. Uh, the best of the best was put on TV. We're going to put that video up there as well. If you want to see my 40-yard dash run, and all of it, could you believe it was the same exact time, 6.03, down to the last 100th of a second? I ran it once. It was 6.25. Now, this was not optimum, so I'd take my second run. Just right. like everyone else, you get a second run. Right, you get a second Plus, shot. Plus, think about this, too. I'm 43, battling the cold, a little bit of water on the left knee. <laughs> I didn't tell anybody this because I don't want it as an excuse. Right. All of that stuff. Um, and... I run it once after seven hours of live television. Yeah, because you Sitting do this at the end of the day. Ass at the end of the day, because you, you can't do it. You know, I mean, there's something called a combine going on. You know, they they have to do their thing, and then we get out there after they're done. And I get out there, run it in six two five. After the training staff did warm me up a little bit, gave right. me a sleeve for my left knee. You had a pep talk from Leon Sandcastle. Leon Sandcastle was there. He, you know, and and uh, his doppelganger Dion Sanders gave me a few tips about how to start. Okay, so I run boom six two five, and I felt really good. So I run it a second time, and I thought I nailed it, nailed it. Turn around, saps there too. Right, timing. Right, saps there too. Timing with Mayock, and I turn around. What's my time? Mayock says the stopwatch jammed. So you had to run a third time. Correct. Now, I don't know if the time was so bad that Mayock acted as if his stopwatch jammed. It'd be nice of him if he... Or not. I don't know. But I, I, all I know is I look at Sap, and Sap shows me his time at six flat. Problem is, though, on the iPhone, they don't have a hundredth of a second. So it could have been six. It could have been... Could have been anything. Could have been anything. Could have been anything. But it looked six flat, and I'm like... You know, I can't just go ahead and uh, this right. has to be legit. It's got to be made for very r- many reasons. I got to put my head in the pillow. I got to look myself in the mirror. There are apparently people who are interested parties elsewhere. Ooh, interesting on this scenario. I see this thing's got to be on the up and up. Even though I did use deer antler spray at the very beginning, <laughs> as you saw in the piece, I did. <laughs> Which was, by the way, <laughs> for those who were wondering, it was really hairspray. And those, but those were real deer antlers. Those are real deer antlers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks to Mike Darwin of our uh, production staff, who apparently called 20 different places in Indianapolis before he found the deer antlers. <laughs> That's something I thought up, like, because, you know, I, I, one in the morning I thought about that, like, three years, three, well, weeks, was... three weeks ago. I'm like, God, do that. So, anyway, any rate, um, run it again, and it's 6.03. Down to the same 100 for a second. I'm not going to run it a fourth time. You're just I a 6.03 guy, Rich. If I did that, I'm a 6.03 guy. You're a 6.03 but guy. But I'm not, uh, I'm not, and, and um, my lovely wife, Susie, who you know, very, uh, I do. You've met. She's fantastic. You know Thank you. Uh, she's upset because she thinks I should at least run a few 40s in the week before. Just train a little bit. But I don't. I don't. I am what I am, and I am who I am. And she thinks I should train a little bit. What do you think? Should I, should I, mean, I try? I think we could get this to 5'8 if you... I definitely could. There's no question I could. People are like, lose the jacket. I'm like, well, if I lose the jacket, that's not the point. No. I got to do it in my uniform. It's right. my uniform. Right. 
But uh, Ed's coming out here. Maybe I do... should. No, it's not, now doing it now makes well, no, no sense. No, no, no. I know. But like but... next January, in the right. middle of everything, maybe I should go ahead. Not go to one of the. You know, maybe maybe I should go to these. We speed could go. Places. D- we could go down to one you of. You know those... how many people press their business card in my hand saying, "Come to me week before." get you down to at least low fives. Exactly. Give me a week, get you down to at least low Here's fives. Here's what I think. I think next I think next year the three of us we and then we we get a we get a crew and we film it and we do a little training video. Well, next for, time next year's the 10th time I will run it. And that's a nice round number to break 6 seconds and maybe stray hand like yeah. Ray Lewis like bus like. I think so. Stroll off into the sunset. Uh, here's what I want to know. Can you talk to your people at Under Armour and get us uh, some of those, those warm-ups? How great are they? Well, I like the warm-ups. The Under Armour people are awesome. How great were those shoes? The chameleon shoes. You know, I was, the one, of the few, I was one of the few people who liked option one. I know you went with yeah, option two. Yeah, I know. That's their, th- those were the regular, not regular, those were the combine shoes that most everyone wore. Yeah. But if they're going to hand me gold shoes with my name on it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> they were great. The Under Armour people were great, too, so thank you to them. They're awesome. And their stuff is just great. One thing after another oh. they do is incredible. Yep. Every year they're Every year they the, get better. The bar. Yeah. I know. The Under Armour people, they're always on the cutting edge. And thank them as well uh, for taking part in that. Thank you, Chris Brockman. Thank you, Rich. At, uh, at uh, Cave. K-A-V-E-H. And then what Sorry. else is it right now? Forever? K-A-V-E-H, first yeah. name. Yeah. K-A-G-H. Slower, slower, slower. People have to write this down, so many Ks in there. There's two Ks. K-A-G-H-A-Z-I. I could not. He said it like ten times. I could not repeat it. Right like now. you said, uh, but I'm fried. I'm so fried. I'm so toast. Yeah. I need a break. It's time to take some time off. You think so? Yeah. Until next week. Until next week. <laughs> with, with David Duchovny. No, he's canceled. Oh. <laughs> Would you believe it? What is with these people? Is there is there another Showtime? I don't show know. Let's get Ed Reed on. <laughs> Actually, I think Ed is going to be on next week. Duchovny out. Ed in. <laughs> Ed Reed. Gronk out. Ed in. <laughs> He's like my Tony Randall from back in the Letterman days. should have produced this podcast today for a There you go. That's amazing. All right. Amazing. Thank All you right. very much, everybody. Long, long enough. For the Eisen podcast presented by Chevy, I am at Rich Eisen signing off. Stay listening, friends.